Wrestling Geeks Salutations and good day to you for whatever you're doing on, well, when we record this, this lovely Saturday, uh, I am Dane Alves, and you are listening to another amazing episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a show which me and my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, break down the latest and greatest professional wrestling news, provide you with reviews and previews of shows coming up with wrestling. A lot to talk about today, so I'm just going to go right to my co-host. Chris, what are you doing, and why is it that you're, you know, milking a cow right now? Like, it's kind of a weird uh, practice to do. Milking a cow? Yeah, I see, <laughs> the, I see the video feed, man. Uh, you know, I guess you're working on the farm. It's kind of a wacky concept to go for. Well, you know, I'm just handling, uh, you know, Clark Kent's dad. I'm waiting for Isaiah Cassidy to return from space and leave a crater, uh, <laughs> which I guess we'll get get into a little later. But uh, drinking my noon beer, man. It's been a great week for us wrestling fans, and I'm very excited to talk about it with you. How how was your week going? Going great. Um, I thought you were on the Briscoes farm, actually, just to be honest with you. But uh, just going great and uh, drinking a, a nice uh, light sky brought to you by Blue Moon. <laughs> yeah, it's a seltzer, guys. Sorry. I pounded uh, a little bit too much alcohol last night. <laughs> All right. But Shout out to Blue Moon. If you guys really do want to sponsor us, uh, hit me at, at Chris R. Patton on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, hit him up because I'll probably won't uh, receive it on time. Anyways, let's get into a couple news items that we have, Chris. Uh, and then, you know, we'll, we'll go from there. Uh, first thing I want to talk about, a little NWA news. Uh, some of the stuff for the Crockett Cup on February 12th has been announced. Uh, so actually, well, thinking about that, that's tonight. Now they have a bunch of to be announced uh, for the show itself. Uh, now that I just realized that it's tonight. Let me make sure that we don't have an updated one, because like I said, there was a lot of to be announced. Um, this is very professional, so if you guys are listeners, just pretend the music for uh, Jeopardy is playing right now or something like that. So, <laughs> all right, well, we got it up, uh, the matches. Oh, yeah, so thank thankfully I did look this up because a lot of it has changed. Um, this is 2022, Crockett Cup. I'm just making sure. Uh, Nashville. Well, this is March 19th. What is going on? I'm so confused. March 19th through 20th, 2022 at the Nashville Fairgrounds, Tennessee. Oh, okay. So what is this one that I originally saw? This is good stuff, Chris. Uh... <laughs> hey, them boys are going to be on the card. Heard about that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So... I'm just trying to make sure the, the the format for everything has completely changed up because, okay, so this is the, yeah, all right. All right, so this is actually pretty awesome. Um, we have within it wild card tag team match battle royal uh, Crockett Cup qualifier between Kojima 
and Yuji Nagata against uh, Malachi Black and Brody King. Uh, the Crockett Cup first round tag team match, La, Rebe- uh, yeah, La-, La Rebellion, which is Bestia666, uh, son of, uh, oh man, I can't remember, Damien666, and then Mecha Wolf going against Bandito and Flip Gordon. The Briscoe brothers, Jay and Mark Briscoe, are going against the Rock and Roll Express, which, if you guys remember the Crockett Cup from a couple of years ago, that's a pretty uh, that's a pretty big deal because they had an awesome match within there, and I think that they beat the Rock and Roll for did they win? I don't remember, but still, let's keep on going because this is awesome. This has gotten way updated. The British Invasion, Doug Williams and Nick Aldis will be going against the Gorillas of Destiny, Tomatonga and Tonga Lo. Strictly Business, Chris Adonis and Tom Latimer uh, will be going against OGK, which is uh, uh, Mac, Mike Bennett and Matt Taven. Red Dragon, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly will be going against Rapongi Vice, Trent Beretta and Rocky Romero. Aaron Stevens and J.R. Kratos will be going against The End, Odinson and Pero. We have a to be announced against the Young Bucks, Matt, J- Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson. And then we have Chris Bay. And uh, Hikaleo going against Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood. All right. I know that Wikipedia can can screw up, Chris, and tell us a bunch of bullcrap. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to investigate this a little bit more. Uh, but we have two other matches. But holy shit, if this is true. This is some of the – this is – I mean, we have one to be announced with the Young Bucks. Everyone else, this is the biggest tag teams in NWA and some of the biggest tag teams across the fucking board. Uh, I'm going to send you this link so you can look over it yourself. Sorry, guys. This is on the air craziness. I, I did not – like, I thought it was much smaller. This is a two-day event in March that now has become probably one of the things I'm looking forward to the most. I just sent you that link. You react, Chris. I'm going to look more into this and find out if this is true. Well, I mean, just right off the bat, like you were talking about from the previous Crockett Cup, uh, Rock and Roll Express versus Dim Boys or the Briscoes, uh, they had a great match. I think the I think the the Briscoes actually lost that. Rock and Roll Express won the first Crockett Cup or the first new rendition of the Crockett Cup. So it'll be interesting to see that match. Uh, House of Black is going to be there. That's fucking wild. I didn't realize they were going to be on the show. I'm assuming that they're going to run through some people unless they get themselves somehow disqualified. Uh, the to be determined, if I had to take a wild guess between now and then, maybe Matt and Jeff. Oh, the my Hardy God. Boys up in there, uh, which would be awesome. And, I mean, we have... Maybe this is the shot that, well, maybe this is where we're going to see the Briscoes versus FTR. I didn't realize the FTR was going to be a, a part of this because it hadn't been announced. But maybe uh, all the stars are aligning for us, Dane, to give us <laughs> that great fucking match. Uh, Rock and Roll Express is on their farewell tour. I don't know. I don't. Ex- I, I see them probably losing to the Briscoes since they won that first time, which makes a lot of sense with some of the other tag teams they have in this. And, uh, I mean, like, the Yuji Nagata tag team should be really great. There's a ton of really good fucking matches. If everything on this Wikipedia uh, card is rings true, this is uh, 
maybe one of the best tag team tournaments of all time. Man, I, that's that's the thing. That's why I'm like I'm I'm skeptical. Like I don't want to give out wrong information. We'll probably find out more information about this. I know they named Jeff Jarrett as the two, uh, 2022 uh, NWA Crockett Cup ambassador, um, and they've they've named a bunch of tag teams that are definitely a part of this that had to be announced. But I don't know if some shit bag just went in and filled it in with all the tag teams we'd like to see to be a part of it, because. Let me just be honest with you. This is the, this is one of the the most. This is too good to be true. I would say, Chris. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have that perspective with this. But if this is true, holy fuck, you know this is gonna be one of the. I mean, you got Red Dragon, you got Rapongi Vice on here. Um, you have the End, you have the Young Bucks, you have FTR, you have fucking. Strictly Business, you have uh, Mike Bennett and Matt Taven, you have the British Invasion from Old Impact fame with Nick Aldis teaming with uh, Doug Williams again, Girls of Destiny, The Rock and Roll, Briscoes, La, Re- uh, La Rebellion, um, yeah man, I mean, and then the yeah the Black Throne, Malachi and uh, Brody King. I'm just going to be honest with you, you guys listen to this, you find out it's not true, I'm going by Wikipedia, Chris saw the same thing, we know that it could be I just went there to see if they updated it at all because I thought it was tonight and finding out it is definitely is on March 19th and 20th. That's 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 at the National Fairgrounds. That's a definite. But just in case. Be a little bit trepidatious about this information, but if this is true, I'm watching this whole entire fucking thing, Chris. This will be the best tag team showing outside of you know nwa or not nwa wwe tag teams like this is all the big tag teams and all of nwa's big tag teams oh if this is true i might have to set five hundred dollars aside and see if i can make my way to nashville jesus (laughs) what a show that would be i'm not even lying about that like two day like little vacation two night like little event (laughs) drink some beer See some see some shows. Maybe go to go downtown to Tootsie's, drink some beers there. Go to Nashville Fairgrounds, watch some good old NWA wrestling with all of these great tag teams. Man, what a hell of a little mini vacation that would be! So as soon as I see this is confirmed, I might start looking <laughs> at tickets because that sounds fucking phenomenal. Uh, but that 2BD, if, if everything else on this card is true. And we all know that Matt and Jeff, or they even teased it on Dynamite, which we'll get into a little later. Uh, if that's true, I'm assuming Matt and Jeff are probably going to be part of this tournament as well. Like, what a stacked lineup. And uh, kind of just out of left field, Mecha Wolf is like one of the best wrestling names of all time. <laughs> Dude, he's awesome, Luchador. Scary looking. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm excited. I'm going to send... Uh, I, I, I'm going to hit up our good friend, Tom Clark. Uh, check out Tom Clark's main event on YouTube and Facebook. He's got great shows. They come out on Friday. He also does other stuff involved in movies and television. Really good dude. Uh, part of the Geek Fives family. But I want to send him this link and just and maybe we can get a confirmation uh, throughout it. Because I don't know if this is just new information that's coming out. Maybe just announced on Twitter or whatnot. But Tom, if he does see my message, probably would know. So I'm going to send him this link and be like, this true dog. 
ooh, maybe we can find out some new information. That that just like honestly, that just kind of uh, took over my mind compared to some of the awesome wrestling we're gonna be talking about, Chris. Yeah, it just blew a load all over our show. Like <laughs> five seconds in. Uh, yeah, craziness. Well, um. You know, we need a cigarette now, guys, so we're, we're going to go have a smoke break. <laughs> Chris actually might do that at some point, but, um, uh, yeah, that that's crazy. So many pairings that we could see, FTR and, and the Briscoes. I mean, w- it would suck, but if Rock and Roll were to beat the Briscoes, you have the potential of Rock and Roll and the Bucks or Rock and Roll and if the Hardys are, which would make so much sense since this should be after the 90-day no-compete for Jeff. Um. All right, let's move on to the next thing. Well, well, I want to, I want to kind of, like I said, tamper my expectations until we know more information about this. But holy poo, uh, Chris, I don't think anything that I have uh, to perceive this is going to be anywhere at the level. But hey, guess what? Remember what I told you about Kurt Angle uh, being a part of a program going forward on WWE? Well, of course, <laughs> it has nothing to do with Vince McMahon. Uh, maybe with Kurt you know, telling too much information, but he's supposed to be involved in some type of angle for three to four weeks, uh, for something to build up to mania. Um, and I'm assuming would have came in right after elimination chamber. So that made sense. And he said that this quote, I went to the Royal rumble. WWE wanted me to do a short program that they ended up canceling at the very last moment, but we went to the rumble, my wife and I, I also did some documentary interviews that day before photo op with the fans, but I want to make clear, I am in no way signed to WWE. So he's not on a Legends contract. This is just like, you know, him coming in, doing stuff. They were going to sign me. Um, it was going to be a three-week program. Oh, they were going to sign me to do just some shows. It was going to be a three-week program. Got canceled. But, you know, my obligation is to my actual show, the Kurt Angle show, and that's it. So uh, I don't know if, if, if Vince Kabashit, because of that information getting kind of like let out by Kurt, uh, maybe that's just me thinking that Vince would do that. <laughs> but either way, Kurt's not coming back. And <clears throat> I'm assuming it was either what either one of us were saying, Chris, kind of involved him with some backstage stuff, building up for Mania, where Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to be the host and do some interactions like that. Uh, maybe kind of put, they could have also, neither one of us suggested this, but kind of put, like Eric Bischoff did, uh, Sonya Deville in her place and kind of help up with uh, Adam Pierce getting control of certain individuals. Or involved in this fun-ass storyline with uh, the, the champions, Chad Gable, Gable and Otis, uh, maybe being in Chad's uh, you know corner trying to get him better to beat RK bro, which would be an awesome, uh, just, just addition to that thing. If that, if, if that's what we're doing at mania, I'm assuming actually a three way with the street profits. Um, and that could have been also awesome, but, uh, Kurt's not coming. So fuck all that. Now I'm not convinced that he's not showing up. <laughs> Once he made this statement, I was like, is he, <laughs> Is he fucking doubling back on it? Uh, yeah. Now, unfortunately for him, he showed up to a show that already had a lot of weird backstage stuff going on with everyone being mad at Shane and 
them completely changing what they were going to do at Elimination Chamber in, well, yeah, I guess Elimination Chamber in WrestleMania as far as what they thought they had planned with Seth Rollins and Shane McMahon. I mean, there's a lot of rumors around stuff that happened backstage at that show, and I guess unless we were in the room, we wouldn't know. But maybe he just showed up on a bad fucking day and Vince will call him back after Elimination Chamber and be like, hey, buddy. We got, we still got this mania thing happening. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not gonna. I, if they're bringing in Stone Cold Steve Austin, it still makes a lot of sense to pull in Kurt just to do backstage stuff. And they kind of teased it on SmackDown uh, with Sonya Deville getting what Vince threatened to fire her via email. Yeah, which was in it. Which which was fucking interesting. So if they're gonna play that up a little bit, where her position might be in jeopardy, they could bring in, uh, you know, just for guest spots leading into WrestleMania, they could bring in like a, a Teddy Long again, and maybe a Kurt Angle. And I don't see them bringing in McFoley because he's been kind of critical to them as of late. But you get what I'm saying. They could build mm-hmm. up to that and then bring in Stone Cold Steve Austin to host Mania. Uh, so while Kurt's out here saying this didn't happen, that could be. WWE being like, stop telling people about this. In fact, tell them that you're not going to be there kind of thing. So now I'm like, before I was like kind of convinced it might be a thing just because they've been talking about bringing in Stone Cold for WrestleMania. Uh, now it's, <laughs> now I'm like 80% sure Kurt Angle is going to show up just because he dialed it back so hard this week. Oh, good old Kurt Angle. Gotta love him. The Olympic hero. Um, Wherever we see him next in whatever format, whether it be WWE-related, AEW, I'm glad that he quali- or, uh, clarified that he has no active uh, contract with them, no Legends deal or anything like that. It was just, you know, him coming uh, appearance basis sort of thing that they've done. So he's doing his podcast. He's having a lot of fun with it. That seems to be his main thing. And uh, we have people like Josh Alexander and uh, Chad Gable keeping his specific uh, certain things about him and his wrestling style alive. So I'm sure we're going to see him pop up. It probably will be WWE. If anyone else, it might be AEW. I don't think it's going to be for wrestling, but he's entertaining as hell. Uh, very credible and a fun person, especially if you got him in a role of an authority figure that's not being scripted by fucking 22-year-old interns. Uh, that would be That would be good, you know. But what are you going to do, brother? I mean, if it's me, I'm not bringing back Hogan, brother. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea, brother. Hey, wait. So we got uh, we got we got we got WrestleMania in Tampa. So we'll help. I mean, we want Hogan, but he's got like this bad press and stuff like that. Well, Tyus O'Neill's a hero and actually fixes us up the area. We'll just put him with him, and we'll be fine. Oh yeah, that's great. So um, that's how I feel about that. Anyways, shout out to Tyus O'Neill for being a badass and a great ambassador for WWE. Um, so I, I kind of want to just make a little, because we haven't talked about him in a long time, just some small updates for our last news item for MLW. Uh, we have a big match, uh, called the stairway to hell match. that's getting set up with Matt Kruger and Jacob Fatu. Uh, they used to be members of the same group, but Jacob Fatu is basically becoming somewhat a baby face. Enzo will be making an appearance. Uh, Ricky and Kerry Morton, uh, Ricky Morton and his son, who his son's been doing some awesome stuff with Kobe Carino. I watched a match recently from NWA. Uh, I think their match, the winner becomes a part of that. Um, 
junior heavyweight thing. I think I believe that's the stipulation joining Austin Aries and the rest of the performers to be the newly crowned uh, junior NWA champion, a champion held by many people, including Danny Hodge. But uh, him and his son will be coming soon. Ricky Morton or Ricky Morton, the other Ricky, Ricky, the Dragon Steamboat. Uh, he's now getting more of a creative role with an MLW, and he'll be helping as a special matchmaker, referee, producer, lots of other stuff. I have no clue if he plans on getting in the ring. I'm going to assume no, but it's fucking Ricky Steamboat helping out with a wrestling company. Killer Cross is coming up there on February 26th. Now that he's free, we have for the champion, the Opera Cup winner, uh, Davey Richards, going against Alex Hammerstone. Uh, coming up on February 26th as well. So the Opera Cup winner, Davey Richards, like I said, will be going against the champ, uh, Alexander Hammerstone. That should be awesome. Puma King's coming back. There's a lot coming over to MLW. So exciting things. They're also, once again, free on YouTube, just to let you know, just like NWA is now. Uh, and I believe, just like NWA, they also have their own Fight TV free channel. So if you guys want to watch their stuff, it's there. Looking forward to this. Chris, you hear this. What do you think about MLW having uh, some of these names coming to their product and some of these big matches? Uh, that Davey Richards-Alexander uh, Hammerstone match should be awesome. So I'm highly looking forward to that. I like what they're doing with Jacob Fatu, kind of giving him, like you said, a little bit of a I don't want to say turning him babyface, but giving him more of a babyface type character based on the situation he's in. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, yeah, like I guess my big question is MLW. To me, they're putting together this really big show. What the hell is Vice TV doing with them? They're not anymore. So what happened with that? Because maybe I know we talked about it, and then they talked about potentially doing some stuff with WWE. And then I never heard anything else in there. Like you said, they're still free to watch on YouTube, which is great. Uh, but television exposure on something like Vice, I I thought would have been really good for this company as far as injecting some life uh, into their yes. brand. So you want to find a wonderful journey. What happened was they aired three episodes. Uh, and because of the fact that this was coming off of um, Dark Side of the Ring, they were in a weird time slot. And uh, they didn't do well in the ratings, so they kiboshed it. And then there's also rumors that since Vice is technically a part of the Fox conglomerate as one of their channels, that WWE was like, hey, can you kibosh that shit because of Whatever between Triple H and Court Power went south. I don't know if Triple H was at fault for it or Vince just said, hey, fuck you, Court, because um, Court Power didn't go out the best way in WWE. So Court actually and MLW have sued uh, WWE. It's not going to go anywhere because of Jerry McDivitt, and we all know the fucking power of that lawyer for WWE. But, uh, yeah, that's basically where they're at. So they went back to YouTube. Gotcha. That sucks uh, for Vice. Hey, Vice, if you're looking to buy another wrestling product that could use some TV, GCW's out there. Yeah, that actually would be an interesting. They might come if there is a conflict of interest with WWE being on Fox and telling Fox don't have other wrestling on your other programming, even Vice. That still might be an issue, but they're so different. 
I think that actually could be good. But I have checked out MLW a little bit. They're now doing their Azteca Underground, which is another series in Mexico. Um, doesn't have the same storyline stuff as Lucha Underground, so you can't find that. But pretty much a lot of the same wrestlers. So good stuff. And, you know, Ricky Steamboat coming. Carrie and Ricky Morton coming. Uh, Puma King coming. Killer Cross coming. That's a lot of cool stuff. And like I said, that match with Davey Richards and Hammerstone, that should be good. Fatu and Mads Kruger. Um, Jason Dane from Atlanta, from uh, fucking Southern Honor Wrestling, playing now the cane role over there as Mads Kruger. Good shit, and I hope the best, of course, for a company like MLW. Shall we move on? So? I will say for uh, for the, the Azteca stuff they're doing... I wish they would, and I know this is probably asking a lot from a small company, do something to change the arena or make it look a little mm-hmm. different than normal ass MLW. That, that yeah. would be my only complaint of the stuff I've seen as of late. Max Careers, that's, that's going to be awesome. It sounds like it would be a pretty damn good show. I'm surprised that's where Killer Cross is going to make his first appearance. Um, I guess we'll get into Impact a little bit later, but... It's TNA, so I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he shows up and ruins a very important match. Definitely could happen. Him, uh, Braun Strowman, I forgot what his real name is. Apologize. I mean, I've known you for Braun Strowman for a very long time. Uh, and EC3 are in a group called the, the same thing, Change Your Narrative. And EC3 starting up his own wrestling promotion that's going to be basically nuts and bolts style wrestling with more of a, like he was trying to go for a fight club look aesthetic to it. So Killer Cross is on his first event. They're in some type of faction. So I'm wondering if collectively the three of them will be showing up at Impact to get some exposure for that or any of these other organizations. But the three of them working together is a very interesting uh, concept. They were on Busted Open and it sounded very promising what they're trying to do in wrestling. So EC3, I got to give it to him, man good reinventor and and has not always the best ideas but ideas you know so let's see where this goes yeah i mean if it ends up anything if it from what it sounds like he wants to do something similar from lucha under to to lucha underground but more like american based old school wrestling i guess so that's that to me in itself sounds interesting, and I like the group, the little faction they got together. And I, I mean, with everything going on in TNA, I would not be surprised if they make a random <laughs> fucking appearance. Honestly. Another invasion. I mean, it's it's literally the little bit of the roster they have in TNA versus the entire world right now. So might as well send guys from Noah over there at this point. Yeah, well, and then not only that, in all seriousness, and I agree with you, that's that's pretty hilarious. Uh, impacts become like, like I said, uh, if if you have the old school one, that's DC, that's that's WWE, you know, and all's faults and good things, and, and classic wrestlers have come from the lineage, and then AEW is more the MCU, which is like really cool but really well done, a lot of cool new characters, you know. Uh, impacts basically Netflix. You know, the and I love those characters, but they kind of have something to do with AEW, but not really. You know, Jay White shows up before on there and then he shows up on AEW and it's a big deal. And it's like they're not connected at all. But, hey, that's how they do it. And I love them for being the 
the little infinity gauntlet of trying to get every fucking organization involved in them to provide a product that's better than NXT. Is 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 that a that's that's a nice thing to say about them, right? Uh, their show is better than NXT currently, so I think that's a nice thing to say about them. Yeah, uh, exactly. I will. I, I do have a little bit of breaking news that happened yesterday. Uh, confirmed, Tamatanga re-signed with New Japan proper. So it's kind of odd they're setting up the Jay White stuff because he's still under contract with New Japan. So if you want, I mean, we don't have to dive into this because we've talked about it a bazillion times. But the fact they're teasing. Kind of this ultra bullet club feud. Just keep in mind that it will probably be a short term thing, but it does open possibilities with New Japan, I would think. The fact that Tom Tamatanga resigned and they're definitely teasing the fact they're gonna do something on Dynamite. Hey, whatever happens, man, we've gotten more and more interactions, definitely with impact, but with AEW specifically. Even if they might be like something like Kenta coming in or, or Yuji Nagata coming in or awesome Minoru Suzuki appearance and um, everything that happened with the crossover stuff with Impact and kind of battling back Kenny and Jay White don't like each other. I like how they he was with the Good Brothers whenever he was in Impact. So there was always like a disdain with Jay White and Chris Bay and uh, ELP on Impact against Kenny and, 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 and the Good Brothers. But the Bucks weren't kind of even associated. They were there one time. They never interacted with Jay White. So I love how they're mel- they're they're melding this into what happens and what we're gonna talk about on AEW where could Jay White be cool with the, the Bucks or is he aligned with Adam Cole and this is all gonna be a big fuck job. I love all of that. It's you know, what they're doing outside WWE is some really cool shit across, like I always say, across different companies and shit. So it makes it exciting, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I think it, as a longtime wrestling fan, as far as outside of WWE goes, this is the most exciting I've been about wrestling since maybe like 2007, 2008, when Ring of Honor and Impact were really making waves and doing kind of unique shit. Um, it's awesome, man. I, I love that all of these guys have a place to work. That there's so many outlets that you can go and watch all of these various shows. Phenomenal time to be a wrestling fan, regardless of what you like. If you like, you know, CZW, ECW stuff, you have, you know, obviously GCW out there kind of filling that niche, a little bit of AEW as well, because they decide to have hardcore matches all the time. Um, you got, you know, you got impacts for kind of their wacky style of what they do. You got, you still got like ring of honor out there lingering around doing a hall of fame. Uh, it's great, man. And, and MLW doing this weird thing. And apparently EC3 starting up a, almost like a Lucha underground thing, which hopefully I don't know what kind of funding that has. I would go to Netflix and say like, hey, you guys did that Lucha Underground stuff. Let's uh, let's see if we can work out a deal. Because I, I would oh. love to watch that in a seasonal format. Yo, I, I agree with you. If if you want to do like old school, more knuckles fighting, but also like you know old school wrestling, like more '80s stylistically, uh, but also having that big man against big man, which is something that they definitely want to explore. That was more an '80s thing, even if you th- you look at WWE. 
but um, having the Fight Club look to it and having like a more serialized like Lucha Underground, that would be a lot of fun. They've kind of played with that with Impact, with Moose and EC3. I don't know if it came off as good. I'm also looking forward to going to, and we need to go, Chris, to a Terminus event because I love what Gresham's doing uh, with that promotion in Atlanta. He wants it to be small, but it's all extremely, like, 50s and 40s old-school rules where you only can go off the top ropes if the the ref is distracted. You know, that's illegal. Um, basically, just going back to the, the oldest roots of professional wrestling. So, like you said, there is literally a style and a company for anyone for whatever you want to go for. Um, it's pretty awesome, actually. And AEW really has taken the place, I think, of the WCW-style company opposed to the WWE. So it's uh, it's a fun time to be a wrestling fan, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, 100% agree, man. And, and, and like you just alluded to, with all of these companies out there, the, the other thing is the production values, even if it's just a YouTube show or an indie show, have gotten to the point where it's like, all of this stuff looks really good also. <laughs> Yeah. Which is amazing. Thank God for technology. I'm sure there's a lot of indie companies that were in the 90s that are like, damn it, if we only had <laughs> these Canon <laughs> digital cameras when we were trying to book our shit, we'd probably still be around. Uh, it, I mean, it's great, dude. Smoky I Mountain. Yeah, Smoky Mountain Wrestling for one with Jim Cornette fucking <laughs> sending paychecks and blockbuster Mother rental tapes. I got some beef with Jim Cornette, by the way, but I'll save it. <laughs> I'll save it towards oh, towards Lord. the end of the show. Um, but yeah, like uh, great, great shit all around, man. Like it's an exciting time to be a wrestling fan, and I think the biggest thing about it is like we all complained about having one product. Everyone's like WWE needs competition. It'll make WWE get better. I don't know if made WWE get better, but it definitely gave us all something to watch based on what kind of wrestling you like because all of these companies are different in their own <laughs> weird ass ways. Yep. And if, if you like the sports entertainment value to it, if you like the actual pro wrestling fighting aspect to it, there's different degrees, different variations that kind of go through different eras of, of wrestling, even uh, per promotion. So a lot of good stuff up there. Now that we talked about all this stuff, let's start off by talking about Monday Night Raw. <laughs> and that actually is kind of a half joke because I, I did enjoy uh, some of the stuff on Monday Night Raw. And really with this whole entire show, I slowed down on AEW Dynamite since they had such a banger. But uh, I'll be going over the big stuff and kind of grouping in some of the smaller matches to get through some of the smaller chunks uh, while me and Chris talk about this. But this started off on Monday Night Raw with the Alpha Academy going against RK Bro. They're tied. You know, uh, their first contest, RK Bro won the scooter thing, uh, even though Otis screwed over Riddle. You know, the Chad Gable won, so they were tied. Came down to the Quiz Bowl. And the Quiz Bowl basically was like one answer, like Jeopardy with one question. Uh, but you didn't have to form it in a question if you understand what I'm saying. Just fucking random questions. Um, 
I really thought this was hilarious. I think all these guys are hitting on it in a comedic way, but able to provide good wrestling like they have been. I really think that there's a good possibility that we're going to have Matt Riddle and or RK Bro, Alpha Academy, and the Street Profits in a three-way for the tag titles at WrestleMania. I don't know who will win that, but I have a f- suspicion that the, the beginning of the end with RK Bro will start at WrestleMania. So that is a prediction, uh, not a spoiler, because I have no fucking clue. I don't have powers like like Paul Heyman. But either way, you know, Gable's putting over the fact that he has a 4.0 uh, GPA and doing the thank you uh, thing. Really, I mean, the guy is pulling so much from two of his favorite wrestlers in Owen Hart, back King of Hearts, top of that level cockiness, you know, uh, in, in probably like 95-ish Owen Hart. And then also, I would say Kurt Angle, uh, you know, the the three eyes, that whole entire thing. Uh, before he shaved his head, basically got intense as fuck. Um, you know, those two aspects. Chad's really putting himself back on the map. And I'm glad they're getting behind him. He's actually pretty damn good behind the mic, besides a great wrestler. And I know Randy's been pulling for him a lot, so it probably has something to do with that. Uh, but the questions, the answering, the, the, some of the, some of the questions, you know, the fact that of course, Matt Riddle is going to get Michelangelo when you say the Ninja Turtle with the nunchucks, uh, but that it came down to how many, how many grams is in one ounce, uh, and Chad Gable getting, you know, so distracted by the buzzer. And, and telling him to turn that down and, and uh, you know, Otis, just all of Otis's comments, uh, trying to get the Hamlet question right. But Chad Gable wouldn't fucking listen to him and saying Romeo and Juliet. But, you know, Randy Orton ended up saying that, you know, uh, Riddle's not the only one who likes to bake, basically. And saying the correct answer uh, that a lot of people, I think, feel I, I feel like not just myself, know since. There's seven grams per quarter that it would be, of course, 28. Uh, but this whole segment had me in tears for most of it. I thought it was funny as hell. Uh, these guys can bring it in the ring. I don't know if I'm right on where they're going, but I'm kind of pretty sure. And if that's the case, Riddle has a chance at Elimination Chamber, puts out a great um, you know, showing to show potential for him as a single star inevitably loses for whatever reason they go on to fight gable chad gable and uh otis like i said maybe throwing the street profits maybe riddle loses that brings about the 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 beginning of the end with rk bro if they do all that i think it will be a, a a nice story and they got flat as fuck for a while and i actually have to say that chad gable and otis brought the life back into rk bro for me so Really liked this opening segment. Thought it was it was total fucking sports entertainment. But to me, it was more enjoyable stuff. And it was definitely the four of them having good chemistry with each other. Chris. Yes, yeah, seems like they all smoked a bowl before <laughs> this segment. If I'm being completely honest, uh, <laughs> this was great. Why don't you say my name like Matt Riddle says? Randy's name. It makes me sad inside, Dane. Do you not love me as much as Matt Riddle loves Randy Orton? I don't. I don't think anyone loves anyone as much as Matt Riddle loves Randy Orton. Did you, Did you see his that, shirt? Uh, 
see his shirt where it said Randy, uh, Randy with the big explanation point. Yeah, that's probably a top seller on on fucking WWE.com. So, uh, did you see that? Did we talk about this last week? Because I can't remember where Randy Orton did a podcast and they're like, why are you uh, still with Matt Riddle, etc.? And he's like, because he, he's the only person that knows how to grow my favorite strand. <laughs> I popped so hard for that when I saw that quote. I was like, damn, Randy out here not giving a single fuck anymore. Uh, it's so crazy because, like, it wasn't that long ago, not that many years ago, that their heavyweight champion got stripped of the title and basically yeah. fired uh, in RVD. But now they're just like, making, like, weed's not a big deal, y'all. Uh, which it never really was, honestly. Uh, no. Poor Sabu got fired over it. Fucking WWE. Uh, <laughs> no, I'll take it aside. I love this segment. I think it would be great if they do something with Kurt Angle, especially when they were wearing those dumbass like speed skating suits. Not this week, but last. <laughs> why week. was why the fuck was Otis wearing one? He wasn't he wasn't doing anything like that. He just he was wearing one. Honestly, Otis is, has shown. That he can do really great physical, intense comedy with what he did beforehand. But now he's doing funny straight man shit. That's just great. Like, you know, when he's like turning on, like when, when Chad's like, can someone turn down the buzzer? And he's like, uh, excuse me, turn down the buzzer. And, you know, just making it had me laughing, like rolling. God damn, dude. I don't give I don't give I don't give WWE that much praise for their comedy. But this this did not suck. So good job. It's, if they're going the route of what we think they're going to do, which is Lesnar versus Reigns title versus title, I'm not sure they're not going to do that with the women's title as well. Um, maybe they do that with the tag titles as well. Ladder match at Mania with the names that you named, plus like the Usos and what other tag team? Uh, New, New Day. You know, just put those ones in there. They'll fucking kill it. Uh, it's yeah, still feel like a downgrade, and we'll talk about it for uh, Biggie, for Biggie and uh, Kofi. But still, you know, it will be a lot of fucking fun if you did that. I mean, if you're unifying the titles, that helps that tag division a lot. It helps the women's division a lot. The men's, I think, the men's division is kind of solid because they've anchored it with just big men slapping meat at this point. Yep. Um, but I, I said this what two, three months ago. All signs kind of point to that because they're trying to re-sign a deal with Fox. So, yeah. I don't know, man. I think maybe all these titles get unified. Bold prediction. <laughs> all these titles get unified in the same night. I think that would be great. That'll make people definitely want to watch WrestleMania for sure. And I think it increases me caring about Raw to SmackDown. Because I like SmackDown a lot more in uh, – RK bro has kind of filled that weird niche of kind of what Jericho and Owens were doing as like this weird odd couple. They carried raw for so long. Yeah. They've been, uh, they've been really hoping for these guys to do their thing for a while now. They've definitely been hoping with, uh, RK bro to stay relevant. Um, and I think it's worked for him. Honestly, I can't believe, like, how much of a difference the Hulu ver- – and it's not always like this with Raw. I think they've done progressively better 
What kills them is the amount of time and all the extra bullshit. But if you watch the Hulu version and it's only an hour and a half from basically a two and a half hour show without commercials that would normally be there, God, it's cutting out all the fucking fat and it makes it so much easier to digest and go forward. So, uh, but I think everyone knows that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's part of the reason I stopped watching it live <laughs> because I, I record it. I don't watch it on Hulu, but I'm able to skip through a lot of just filler, random raw crap. Yep. Well, um, all right. So, yeah, they had a match later, uh, with uh, Street Profits with Alpha Academy. Pretty good tag match. They ended up winning. Uh, then we had an awesome match, Chris, I feel like, but I'm kind of nervous what direction this is going in. Uh, AJ Styles, Damian Priest, these guys kicked the shit out of each other. My God, I don't want to fucking call him the gatekeeper because that's always that's that's a negative thing in wrestling, unfortunately, just like, you know, being a good hand is. But AJ can have a fucking match with anyone. He is someone that it's impressive. There's. Certain guys, obviously, you know, you go back to a lot of them, but like Sean and Brett definitely had that quality where it didn't matter who they're working with. They could have a great match with any size opponent. Damien's really accomplished in the ring. I was very surprised by him rappelling off the ropes and AJ nailing him and really nailed the hell out of him with the phenomenal forearm and getting the win. So now they're going to have a match for the title. I hate the stipulation of beating the champion to get a championship match, but whatever. Uh, this next week on Raw. So I'm the only thing that worries me. Damien was great in this match, flawless. He's working with AJ. They're having a good match. What did Vince figure out his age or something? Because I'm starting to look at the concept of the Jekyll Hyde thing and the fact of AJ possibly taking that title off of him. Maybe he gets a big win, and maybe I'm just worrying for no reason, but it does make me worry a bit about Damian Priest uh, from him randomly losing to AJ Styles. So still not the worst person to lose, um, you know, in a match to, Chris, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I think this ties into my theory of them unifying the titles at Mania, right? Because... We, we do have weeks to get there. They're building a title to a title match. Maybe they just phase out one of the titles and do because they don't really need a U.S. title and intercontinental title if they're going to have people flipping brands, which I think is probably the right thing to do as far as your champions go. Um, I wouldn't be too worried about it. It's kind of hard to like AJ Styles is older than Damian Priest or they're like the same age, right? Yeah, but. AJ's aged with the company. They're about the same age. I think AJ's a couple of years. He's aged with the company in the last couple of years, whereas Damian, new prospect, and he's like, I want to say 39, 40. He just turned 40, I think. So, I don't know. Vince is Vince. That's all I got to say. Yeah, I will I will say this about... But, uh, but he, does have, he does have Razor Ramon or, or Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and especially Undertaker in Damian Priest's corner because all of them kind of helped him out at NXT and have been putting him over a bunch. So, Yeah, I mean, he's, he seems like a guy that they're behind, but they've also kept him in kind of at the same level for a long period of time, right? Yep. So, I mean, like his big push should have been after the Bad Bunny stuff. Like that would have been the time to push him. 
uh, and then they kind of, I mean, they gave him, a, they did like a start stop push and then they gave him this Jekyll and Hyde character, which I think he's done a great job with. And he's had some really good matches, but it's like almost like Cesaro or Sheamus where you kind of hit this ceiling and they don't know what to do with you. Um, and maybe that's because they have such big guys in the title picture. He's, I mean, he's a tall dude, but he's definitely not as big as like Lashley or Lesnar uh, maybe they just didn't want to throw him in there with all the other shit happening in Mania. I, I don't know. He's a he's a weird case, I guess. A case of curiosity for Vince McMahon more than anything else. But a uh, great wrestler. This was a really good match. AJ Styles is s- still fucking AJ Styles, turns out. And uh, I'm trying to think if there was anything else to point out about this, but I, I would oh that the news item yeah they they um I forgot to bring this up but did you hear about and this kind of ties into not only the age, but uh, the fact they don't want to hire indie stars that they did a women's tryout and basically no indie star. They was like three or four indie stars turned out to this thing, women's wrestlers. And WWE said they wanted less <laughs> indie stars for this stuff. So they're basically just trying out athletes from other sports and like fitness models, et cetera, to do wrestling on Ugh. NXT or to their performance center, which has been reported by multiple outlets, Ringside News, Wrestling Observer, uh, Wrestling Inc., PW Torch. So I'm going to go ahead and say that that was a, a fact stated somewhere. Well, great. You know, that's exactly what we need. Sometimes it's going to work out really well. In the case of like, you know, the men's that they've just done that to basically with NXT. Uh, you can make athletes into great wrestlers um, or at least convincible, like in the, in the uh, concept of like a Bill Goldberg. But like, you know, Roman Reigns was a football player. Uh, the Rock had a pedigree within his family with the, the company, but he was a football player. Obviously, having that on your side of being able to just genetically have that. And maybe that's the same thing for Roman. But what I'm saying is, there have been a lot of accomplished athletes throughout the history of wrestling, Ernie Ladd, for instance, that have done big things in wrestling. So athleticism is always good, but trying to take out people that are specifically professional fucking wrestlers is stupid as shit. So there's that too. Yeah, it's a it's a weird combination of things because you do need people that know how to wrestle to continue a show. <laughs> like they're not going to learn in two months after getting signed. And that roster is pretty thin on the NXT side and very green as they would say. Yeah. Very, very green. All right. Well, let's move on. Miss TV segment. Him and Maurice come out. Their special guests are Dominic and Ray Mysterio. A lot of, you know, shit talk before they got there and, you know, backhanded compliments when they did. Uh, This would lead to a match with Dominic, uh, you know, calling out uh, Miz because of the match that he lost previously. Obviously, Miz used some bullshit. I think Maurice actually interfered to help him win. But they had a rematch and Ray did the same thing for Dominic, um, leading to... Dominic getting a roll up on the Miz while Ray was distracting him. Um, 
is this is this what we're doing? Is is this leading up to Miz and Rey Mysterio? I'm assuming at Mania, Chris, because that's what it really seems like. And if that's the case, they should have a great match. They're two big stars, so I have no problem with it. But you have the ultimate baby face in Rey Mysterio. Is Dominic going to become a problem within that on accident? They can do a lot of stuff. And then Miz, obviously, is one of your best heels. Uh, and, you know, especially Mike-wise, can bounce off of people and really get himself hated. Uh, one of the only guys in the industry to be able to really actually get that. But uh, do you think that's where this is going? Are we getting Ray and uh, and uh, and Miz at WrestleMania? <sighs> Are they get, are they going to do something with Elimination Chamber because they want to always bring Ray over to the Saudi show? So are they even going to do it nope. before then? Let me let me check to see uh, because I have it up here. I don't think I saw Miz or Ray on here. I could be wrong though. Uh, Bobby Lashley, Becky, Usos, Roman, Drew, uh, and then the actual matches themselves. Yeah. Uh, I think that's I think that's a good prediction if they don't pull the trigger before then, or they could just do two matches as WWE. I, I would just be surprised if Ray wasn't didn't end up at the Elimination Chamber in some form of match. But uh, yeah, I mean I think that's it's fine. It gives Miz something to do. You have two days of WrestleMania, so why not? Yeah, um, if if that's what they end up doing, I'm fine with it. Uh, if you want to add some intrigue to it, you could actually have the Miz, which is, you know, Seth's tried to do in the past, but like maybe have the Miz finally get in Dominic's head and Dominic fucks his father over. And I mean, that would lead to him having to be, I guess, with the Miz, but they could do stuff from it is what I'm saying. You know, Chris, I don't know. Uh, they could and probably should, because the only reason Rey Mysterio re-signed was to try to help Dominic's career, and I don't, I mean, I guess Dominic's They won the tag titles, you know, I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but but you get what I'm going yep. for here, is that is this is kind of a similar situation to what they were, maybe even to a smaller level, because at that time, I think Seth was the champion a very similar feud to what Seth had going with his little group of disciples, not even that long ago. So it's, I don't know. It's, this is not a fault of Dominic or Ray or anything. It's more just WWE booking. Absolutely. All right. We had an awesome match. So we have Seth Rollins back with his good buddy, Kevin Owens. And, you know, Seth's is so mad that, he was able to just get a pass and go on to the elimination chamber. And Kevin Owens had to like prove himself and that he lost against Austin theory the week before. Uh, so Kevin KO has this great idea that if he beats Austin theory, he should now be able to be in the elimination chamber uh, instead of uh, Austin theory. And Seth's like, yeah, that doesn't really make any sense, but uh, I think that should work. And Kevin Owens is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, do you really believe that? And there's a pause and Seth, <laughs> you know, doing his weird Joker thing that he's added to his repertoire for this character. And uh, Kevin goes and he has a fucking awesome match with Austin Theory. Austin Theory is showing such a uh, man. 
he's going to be one of the big stars in the future for sure. Like I said, Randy Orton meets AJ Styles. It's fucking ridiculous. Um, but Kevin get, ends up getting the win. They had an awesome match. Uh, and KO gets the win and goes to, you know, the higher uh, Adam Pierce, Sonya Deville, pleads his case, and they tell him, no! So, uh... I like all this. I, I like the promo with him and Seth. I like the subtle nature that I think that we're going to end up with Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins at Mania. I think that Kevin's going to do the same thing he always does, like he did with Sammy, like he did with Chris Jericho. Once the benefit for himself is over, once the annoyance gets to that level, Kevin snaps and usually beats the shit out of the other person. Him and him – and, uh, Seth had a great match at WrestleMania a couple of years ago, but that was when the pandemic started and it was completely empty audience. So maybe they want to go back to that. I could see them doing that, but him beating Austin theory, Austin having another great match. Even if he lost, it's to fucking Kevin Owens. He's having great matches with AJ Styles, Finn Balor, Kevin Owens. Lot. It doesn't matter that he lost. Basically he's already going to the fucking elimination chamber. And I like that. Kevin's getting more and more pissed that, you know, Seth's just being able to get things, and he's not. So uh, I like all this. What do you think, Chris? I like it as well. The only problem with, I, and this is more, I guess, if you pay attention to, like, I don't want to say Mark news or internet news, et cetera, is we all know Kevin Owens isn't going to Elimination Chamber because it's in Saudi. So it yeah. kind of takes the disbelief away. Uh, but I was surprised that they gave him a win back over Austin theory, honestly, because I thought they did a good job of kind of making Austin theory look strong, headed into elimination chamber. I thought he might get another win here and to have Kevin Owens win to just build the Seth and Kevin Owens storyline. I feel like you could have just had Kevin Owens get DQ'd or, or did something. One of the fucky finishes the WWE always does. <laughs> As opposed to just having Kevin Owens win, um, maybe maybe just a weird choice for me. But I think that you're probably spot on with them having a match. But I, like I said, I'm not convinced that they're not going to try to unify all the titles in one night or two nights at Mania. And I could see them easily getting thrown into some kind of match for a title of some sort that's not the heavyweight title. Cause I feel like the heavyweight title picture is going to be pretty much locked down. So it's just kind of everything else. So I don't know if they're designing some kind of weird match at WWE, uh, like WWE headquarters, or we're going to have some kind of crazy two elimination chambers stacked on top of each other <laughs> kind of thing or, or what, yeah. but, uh, I think that is a good call out. I mean, if they have just, it, I just feel bad for whoever the hell has to go after Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins, if they're going to have a singles match and they give them more than 10 minutes. Yeah, it's a very good point. Hmm. I guess we'll have to find out on that, man. Um, we're going to be getting these answers very soon because it's really literally elimination chamber WrestleMania. So, Stuff has definitely got to start coming together. Uh, Dewdrop went against Liv Morgan and beat her. So uh, for Liv Morgan fans, sorry, guys. And then the big main event, Matt Riddle, Seth Rollins. This starts off with them having an excellent match. They just have shown before, uh, like AJ and Riddle, that they have great chemistry. 
Um, and, you know, Matt Riddle was getting the better of Seth Rollins. So KO interferes, uh, takes out Matt Riddle. This would bring Randy Orton out. And I don't have a problem with this as much as them doing it at the beginning of the fucking show because it's like, are you serious? But if you're building off the main event and making it even grander, all right, that's fine. So then we have Randy Orton and Matt Riddle going against Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins. And a lot of help from Kevin Owens being his best buddy. You know, we would have Seth Rollins actually getting the win over Matt Riddle uh, with the stomp. And afterwards, you know, they're about to get out of the ring. Seth Rollins does. Uh, an angry Randy Orton, angry Viper, fucking RKO's the shit out of Kevin Owens inside the ring and just gives a death stare to Seth. The champion or the the number one contenders have just been beaten by Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins. They definitely made that clear. So I don't know if that goes towards anything, but that's something. So just a uh, a pretty decent raw man. Um, I'm pretty sure some of the stuff that we breezed over was not in the Hulu version. So crazy. <laughs> Probably not. Kevin Owens taking that RKO was awesome, by the way. <laughs> Sold it great. Yeah, he's he the past two three weeks he's been giving a hundred and ten percent on pretty much everything he does. So uh, I don't know. I, I with Seth and Seth getting a win over Riddle, I didn't have as much of a, a problem with simply because they're both in the elimination chamber. So. Uh, We'll we'll see what happens. Do you think that it's going to come down to? Hopefully, they're not going to do this. Do you think they're going to do some? Well, nah, because I think they're just going to carry RK Bro out. I hope they don't do like try to get too fucking creative with elimination chamber where like Randy costs Matt Riddle the title against Brock Lesnar or some shit. No, like hopefully they just do do the damn tag match. <laughs> That mania, like you suggested, but yeah, I guess we'll yeah, you see, can start. Man. You can start the, the the seeds to them falling apart if Riddle takes the L from whoever at Mania, and then Randy slowly going back to well, Randy Orton, <laughs> and then SummerSlam is your destination for them completely apart in a in a big marquee match between the two of them. That's what I would assume. Yeah, it just makes me nervous that Elimination Chambers in Saudi Arabia and those shows have been notoriously bad. And uh, Yeah, man. I don't, I don't know. And we'll go over Elimination Chamber since it's on a Saturday. Even thinking about maybe doing it live, um, or at least a recorded live uh, reaction to it. But we'll get, we'll get to that when we get there, you know? Uh, so the only thing I really want to talk about with NXT... Uh, I don't mind the. Let me just start with this. I don't mind the Creed brothers. I think that they're green as shit, but they're both accomplished wrestlers. They're stiff as hell. Hey, who knows? Maybe they could be your Steiner brothers of the future. But them beating like all the major tag teams have now been beaten within this. Um, well, I think MSK got their win over, but they they beat the Grizzled Young Vets. So it's like anyone that was a part of the uh, the Triple H era slowly has either been let go, put in the background, it's all known. Either way, the big thing was Braun Breaker, Santos Escobar, they were doing their signing for their match, and they got, they got interrupted um, actually twice 
first by Dolph Ziggler, who was rumored to be coming to NXT, uh, who did a great promo against, you know, just everyone there uh, to back up, you know, his good friend for some reason, Braun Breaker. We would have uh, Tommaso Ciampa coming out. And it really seemed like this pushed forward uh, the two matches that we're going to see at the next pay-per-view. Dolph Ziggler against Tommaso Ciampa. They were they had words back and forth and a little bit of physical interaction. And then Braun Breaker and Santos Escobar for the NXT Championship. This was uh, good on NXT, which is weird, but uh, full of a bunch of stuff I don't give a fuck about. So, you know, yeah. Let me see if MS- MSK really actually won. You give me what, what What did you think about this, Chris? I liked the Ciampa Ziggler interaction quite a bit, especially the promo. Uh, Ziggler kind of fired back at Ciampa, where he's like, Great, you don't ever want to make it to the main. He basically just said truce. Like, you don't want to go to the main roster. You're just comfortable selling out buildings of 200 in this sh- basically shitty arena. <laughs> it's, it's kind of what he was alluding to. He's like, you're never going to be an actual champion, which is fair because Ziggler was a champion. Um, I thought it was all good stuff. And this is what me and you ha- were saying as far as sending people. I, I think they, they've chose to do it at the wrong time now. Yeah. Uh, well, but we were like people like Dolph Ziggler and Cesaro, like especially when Triple H was in charge of NXT, if they would have made that move a long time ago. Dolph versus but, Adam Cole. Whew, that would have been an awesome yeah, program. Uh, yeah, like you don't have anything for Cesaro to do. Cesaro versus Walter on NXT on USA Network or whatever. There was a ton of shit they could have done during that time period. Or, Although Cesaro versus Braun Breaker sounds awesome. Yeah, like they're so if they're going to start doing that, I think that's a good idea, especially with what I, I think is their hiring model right now. They're going to need to pull people down. Uh, and we've seen it with AJ Styles and now Dolph Ziggler and... I'm assuming more people just because the I don't want to say the main roster stacked, but they definitely have like guys in very specific spots. They don't seem like they're ever going to move forward or backwards. It's just which is a, a different argument for a different day as far as like a, the rinse and repeat they tend to do. But, but yeah, I like the Ziggler Chompa interaction and uh, Brown Breaker continues to be awesome. <laughs> He's fine as on always. the mic. I, I wish he would get more Scott Steiner about it. <laughs> it seems like every week he does, though. That's the thing. Like, a little bit more of this is in his voice. Like, Scott's got such a squeaky, scary voice. It's <laughs> yeah, he's, Michigan he's, accent or wherever. Great Lakes. I, I don't understand how he didn't win Rookie of the Year or whatever in those <laughs> – that fucking was it P, the PWI awards. I'm like, you guys are re- fucking ridiculous with that shit. <laughs> Cause he's been fucking incredible. He's easily the best new star from NXT in a long time. And, uh, I don't know. WWE seems to be taking their time with him in a good way. And I'm not going to say, uh, what we normally say where we are like, Oh, there's no way they can fuck this guy. <laughs> Because every time we say it, it happens, it seems. Um, but yeah, he's great. Th- those should be two really good matches. It just sucks that like a lot of people probably won't see it because it's going to be on the fucking sci-fi network and like half the audience is tuned out when it's not on USA. 
Well, I don't know if it is for next week or not. I think it's in the future, so I have no clue. But just either way, I also just want to end it with NXT. By the way, MSK did win, so they're pretty much the only tag team established from the end of the Triple H era that's progressed. That's an actual tag team. Anyways, but um, Triple H, he wanted Finn Balor to come back. They wouldn't let him. They finally did. It took forever. Uh, he wanted Samoa Joe to come down when he was, you know, doing absolutely nothing. They wouldn't let him. They did later once they fired him and fucking Triple H hired him back. Sammy wanted to go to NXT at one point. They wouldn't let him. Triple H tried to get him in. Uh, Triple H tries for a lot of people that would have made great additions to, you know, kind of getting them off the main product, reinvigorating them, kind of like what they used to do, kind of like with someone like Matt Cardona back in the day. And uh, Triple H... Or, or, or Vince put the kibosh on that. Now Vince is there, and he's like, all right, we're going to use AJ Styles against this guy, and now we're going to take Dolph Ziggler. And... Poor Triple H. I can't believe I'm in that mindset now, Chris, but fucking poor Triple H, dude. Yeah, it does feel weird feeling bad for the King of Shovel style. Stomach <laughs> uh, Sorry. <laughs> it, the, the 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 primary difference here is Vince's Vince's way of doing it is now these guys don't really have anyone to really wrestle. Ugh. What are you gonna do, man? But uh, yeah, Braun Breaker, Braun Breaker, Braun Breaker, Braun Breaker, Braun Breaker. And honestly, Tommaso Ciampa, Dolph Ziggler should be an awesome fucking match. Uh, that uh, I'm really looking forward to the two of them being able to interact in a. In, in the ring, so hell yeah! At least they have Walter. I'm not calling him by his his other name and uh, Braun Breaker and a couple other people. But let's get to the Wednesday show that I think everyone was uh, talking about this week. Uh, real quick before we transfer out of this, did you see any of that or, or hear any of the Kyle O'Reilly interview? No, 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 no. Let me know. What do you say? Okay. Uh, he was talking about his decision of leaving NXT and how it was a hard decision. And he was talking about, it's been my dream to be a pro wrestler for the WWF, I think is how he stated it in the interview, like since I was a kid or whatever. And they're like, well, you're not a pro wrestler. And he's like, no, I, I'm a wrestler. <laughs> and that was like part of the reason he left, which is just so fucking wild that they still have such a hard on for stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's it's a great interview. It's it's up on the web. I can't remember who did it because I just listened to the specific clips about him leaving NXT. But he said that was like a big thing, like the the idea that you're not a pro wrestler in WWE and NXT for him deciding to leave because he said the money was like not the problem, basically. So weird. You know, and I think that what's setting up, especially if that fucking Crockett Cup thing's uh, true, because the fact they're in it, but like what's setting up on AEW, they'll be utilized. We're going to build to probably a very prominent version of what they had beforehand. And Kyle O'Reilly's stylistically so different with his MMA style specifically. It just, it's going to be good. So, yeah, I, I it's so crazy. Now, I also heard that. Basically, Shawn Michaels is doing everything now. He can't coach because he's doing everything that fucking Regal and, and, and Road Dog and Triple H were all a part of beforehand. Of course, he has help. And he's right having to take word from fucking 
Bruce Pritchard, who's directly in contact with Vince McMahon about what he wants for the product. So what a frustrating concept, man. Sean's already lost his fucking hair. Did you see that fucking meme of like, you know, the Mortal Kombat, like when you win, you go up kind of like one little statue at a time. (laughs) It was like all the people that were fired, like Triple H, Samojo, uh, Regal, etc. And then right up, like right above Shawn Michaels is Bruce Prichard on the right side of like people you've defeated. (laughs) Jesus. So maybe they give the reins to Shawn. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. I think Triple H was doing a fucking fine job until they sent a bunch of writers down there uh, to fuck it up. But uh, yeah, it's just really, it's really funny to think that Shawn Michaels is outlasted. Well, I don't even want to say outlasted, but kind of like circumvented all of these other great wrestling minds. Not that Shawn's not a great wrestling mind. It's just, it's just fucking weird to think about. It's a lot of work for one dude, and maybe Sean Higginbottom uh, is all elite in the future. There you go. Anyways. God, that would be the, the biggest fuck you to Vince ever if he decided he wanted to do that, because like WCW tried so hard to sign him. For him they, to wanted just to, give the they wanted to sign him when Vince. he was injured and on drugs the worst, basically. Like, that's how bad. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Um. All right, so we have a celebration to start off AEW Dynamite. And uh, the Dapper Yapper, Justin Roberts, is in the ring. And uh, he's about to call out MJF, essentially. And he gets plans, like a little fucking list of, 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 of stuff to say for these intros. Um, so, you know, he brings out uh, Sean Spears. He brings out FTR. They're all in suits. Tully's there. And then <laughs> he gets he gets to MJF. MJF comes out. Men are holding this plank. I forgot what the fuck. That was one of the funnier things is when um, uh, Excalibur said the name of what these are called. Back in Rome, where men hold each peg, and the king is on a on a seat on top of it, and they bring him out. And <laughs> Excalibur said that, and Jr. like, what? And he's like, that's the thing. That's the name of the thing. I, JR had no idea what the fuck that thing was called, so that was pretty funny. But they bring MJF out, and within this whole entire rundown of all of MJF's accomplishments and everything, what it said, like, uh, we he puts he puts the shoulders to the mat, and he picks up and bangs all the rats, was, I'm pretty sure, paraphrase part of it. And if you don't know what a rat is, that's a ring rat. That means, you know, the girls that wait or at least more so in the 80s used to wait for the wrestlers to get out to find out what hotel they're going with or getting going to the hotel that they know the wrestlers are at for um some fun activities i would assume so uh comes out he's got this beautiful like curvy maybe i I don't know if she was you know latina or whatever but on one side and this more skinny uh redhead who's gorgeous and he comes he kisses the the one on the lips and then goes over to the redhead who I'm, maybe is his girlfriend and they start just fucking just going at it. Jr. is repulsed and you know just Tony's talking shit the whole entire time. Tony hates MJF I guess like Jr. hated Triple H. That's what I'm starting to assume because uh, MJF uh, comes in he puts over the fact that he beat like we knew he would CM Punk twice in a 
crap state like Chicago or a crap city like Chicago and that he's better he's better than Piper in Portland and, and Brett in Calgary and definitely better than Punk Chicago and just completely praising himself about how he's now going to go after what he deserves with the main title. CM Punk walks out, no music, just looking pissed. And he calls out the fact that obviously MJF knows that if it wasn't for Wardlow, he would not be the freaking sh- he wouldn't have uh, won that match in the first place and really is calling for a rematch and MJF's ducking and dodging it. And he's like, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about Wardlow, you know, because he's the one who won that match for you. He's the one FTR, you guys in your suits uh, that help you guys win multiple matches. If you guys didn't have him on your team, you wouldn't even be that big of a unit. And this pisses off Dax. He starts unbuttoning his shirt saying, you know, you think that we want to wear some dress up shirts. You think this is what we not, we normally wear. He's like, why don't we fight right now? Uh, and obviously CM Punk is by himself. So he calls upon two guys to help him out, which end up being Sting and Darby Allen with baseball bats. They give CM Punk a baseball bat. It looks like shit's about to go down. And CM Punk says, wait, 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 wait. How about this? I'll give you a match, whatever you want, but you have to beat FTR in a match later on. But your partner can't be Tweedledee or Tweedledum, talking about Sting and Darby. So CM Punk was then trying to find a partner for this match that was set up later. But the intro was fun. Uh, I, 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 this, this type of stuff, just the MJF on the mic is absolutely ridiculous. Everything that Justin Roberts had to say, like landed way more so honestly than that Kenny Omega stuff that they did a couple months ago with Kenny as a heel. Uh, I thought it was hilarious. I thought the whole entire, just how grand it was. It's just so over the top. MJF such a piece of shit. You want to see him get his ass kicked. He does a great job. I love that Punk didn't need his fucking music to come on to come outside and start talking shit to MJF and calling him out. That was a very well done segment, followed by later on an awesome tag match with Punk and Moxley going against FTR. Good setup for it. Yeah, really fun uh, promo. I, I liked uh, I, I liked the throwback to WrestleMania. Is it WrestleMania Nine where they where they were at the Coliseum? kind of had that feel to his entrance a little bit getting carried out on the whatever Excalibur called it. <laughs> um, <laughs> the the first girl that kissed him is a independent wrestler named or I can't think of her first name, but it's Ortiz and she's absolutely gorgeous. And the second wrestler or the second girl he kissed is his real life girlfriend, MJF's real. So spoiler alert, that's his girlfriend. People can stop K-fay getting brother. pissed off. Kayfabe brother. <laughs> People could stop getting pissed off online now that he aggressively assaulted a girl. Um, oh, yeah, because she didn't want it. Give me a. F- oh, God damn it. <laughs> you, you know what it is, dude. You've been in the comments section. Uh, Never. <laughs> uh, I, is it? It's Dax and. Is it. Ka- what are they. Dax, God, I can't call one Cash has hair. Okay, so Cash <laughs> is filling the fuck out of his mullet, dude. And it's great. <laughs> it's great. Him selling mother- the fact that he has this mullet is the best. Him coming down to the ring and like. 
Well, all the shit's going on. Him and Sean Spears are like finishing off the champagne bottle. Very, you know, if you didn't notice it in the background, I thought that was pretty funny. While still trying to be aggressive and like within the whole entire argument. Uh. <laughs> the whole time he's going down the down to the ring, he's like doing the horse hair shake thing with his mullet. So fucking awesome. Uh. I love that they made Wardlow come out and set up these gimmicks, and then like the whole buildup is like the only person in this group that CM Punk actually wants to fight is Wardlow, because Wardlow whipped this dog shit out of him. Uh, which brings me to a problem I had with the Wardlow match a little later on, but uh, yeah, it's um. I don't know. I liked everything about this. I thought the MJF promo was exactly what I would expect out of MJF. And uh, I like Sting and Darby coming out to kind of be like, hey, we still hate you, Tully. <laughs> Sting hasn't forgotten about the Four Horsemen. Apparently, he's still pissed. Also, did Sting find the Fountain of Youth, Dane? Because, like, I swear to God, he just gets more and more ripped each week. <laughs> he's trying to get back in, like, legit, like, 1992 Sting shape, apparently. Love them, man. Uh, three segments followed this whole entire thing. I, I might be out of order, but I'll, I'll just like give you guys a gist of it. We had a segment in which, once again, after this whole thing happened, uh, Andrade does not understand that Darby Allen does not work for Sting, and you know is having an interview backstage with his whatever the hell the guy that's always with the computer with him, but. You know, cuts a promo with Darby trying to buy him or purchase his 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 uh his help from Sting. Sting says he's not a kid and he makes his own decisions. And basically, Darby tells him to watch his mouth. And then we get this instead of him wanting Darby, and who knows, maybe that's still something. You know, everyone has a price. It seems like Andrade's kind of got a little bit of a Ted DiBiase feel to this new incarnation of his character uh but he's like hey you, we both want something you want the tnt title but i am the next tnt champion so hopefully it's setting up and i hope we get this in mexico at least because i know even though he's friends with them i think tony's got to be very even if it's a one-off because of stuff that's happened it's got to be a little bit weary about bringing rick flair on but i really would love to eventually see sting in the corner of darby and rick flair in the corner of his you know, up and coming. Oh, no, no, no. Now his his, his son-in-law, um, uh, whatchamacallit, Andrade, kind of like what they did with Kenny back not too long ago. It just seems like it should happen. Who knows? Maybe it is. I doubt it. But either way, it seems like we're going to have a number one contender match maybe between the two of them. And he's saying no matter what, he is going to work for him. So I don't know if that says for stuff down the line, like Sting loses a match. But I thought this set up a lot of cool stuff going forward uh, with Andrade against Sting and Darby. So what would you think about this backstage uh, little vignette? Absolutely loved it. Andrade is a great promo. (laughs) If you let him slow down and speak English, he's fine, man. And he's 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 got it. I agree with you. Fucking WWE didn't understand that just because you don't speak perfect English doesn't mean that you can't tell an interesting story that's very fun. Um, yeah, I thought this was great. I like that he refuses to say Sting because he says, like, Stink, which is pretty good. 
so he called him Mr. Boss <laughs> at one point. <laughs> I I can't wait until he gets Darby Allen and Danhausen confused at some point, which should be pretty I hope good. that happens. I hope that happens. Uh, no, I, 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 I don't think they're taking his character that lightly. Uh, what I'm assuming is going to happen is he's going to fuck over Darby because he's going to get Sammy for the title. Yeah, that's that's what I like to say. Like, it would really be cool. I, I, God, it's it's not going to happen. I don't think in AEW just because I don't think Tony wants to take the risk. But if you had Ric Flair backing up Andrade with Sting against Darby, that just gives you the feels, especially if you like timed it. For like, uh, you know, a, a North Carolina show, a Charlotte show. Whew. I mean, I, I'm not even from that era, just like you, but I would I would get a, a never mind. As far as not taking as far as not taking the risk. This is my problem with this is like their fans get mad about it and then they just completely forget because Ric Flair's got this podcast that like 3 million people are listening to a week now or whatever. That's just a random number I threw out there. Is anyone still mad at Ric Flair? Should they still be mad at Ric Flair? Which is, you know, probably if, if that upset you to begin with, why would you not still be mad now? Yeah. It's like, uh, it's just one of those weird things. Like if you fucking decide you hate someone, continue to hate them. Like, are they going to be mad if Ric Flair shows up at this point? Because they sure as hell got over the Sammy Guevara, Excalibur, et cetera thing when they did the WWE method with them. They're like, oh, like, go away for a while. We'll bring you back and everything's cool now. Um, I think they and, and this factors into the Briscoes to some extent as well. Yeah. Like, because if they sign the Briscoes. Are people going to be pissed about that? Yeah. Is is there going to be a collection of stuff that's all of a sudden put forward in social media, especially on the wonderful platform of Twitter, to put a lot of weight and uh, stress on Tony, basically, uh, like he just had a deal with with Brian Kendrick, which don't get me wrong. What Brian Kendrick said in the past was fucking stupid. I don't care if you're like and we said this. I don't care if back 10, 12 years ago you're into conspiracies. You can't believe some of the stuff that you were saying, so he tried to apologize for it, whatever. But the same thing with the Briscoes, some homophobic stuff was said about 10 or 12 years ago by them. And that's going to that's going to come back just like with Ric Flair with what we just saw on that documentary. Um regardless of stuff that's come out since then, it's always going to be there, and it's always going to be brought up by certain fans that are part of the AEW basis, and for better or for worse, that's just how it's going to be when it comes to certain people. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's just kind of wild, especially if you look at, like, the NFL, for instance, and Michael Vick and that story. Or fucking uh, the, the, the quarterback for Pittsburgh that's still there, Ben Roethlisberger. We, that just we, got we this forget huge that. retirement. Yeah, like, see, that's the thing is, like, do they just wait until it dies down? I mean, with Brian Kendrick, Brian Kendrick's obviously not as big of a name as to me as the Briscoes or Ric Flair. Especially Ric Flair, um, yeah. And Kendrick's done things to piss people off in the past via online, etc. So he probably garnered a little more heat. But, like, are we just picking and choosing now? How deep we're going to dig into every signings past and but should that here, affect you? A, hire here's people? the biggest here's the biggest thing that I have a problem with 
And I think that past listeners know that, you know, I have a a lot of left and right perspectives. I'm not someone that's I, I feel one way or the other. But when it comes down to the perspective of cancel culture, there's been a lot of good that has come from that and a lot of people that have been put in their place and are arrested and put in fucking prison for good reasoning. But it just becomes like this whole thing of like, all right, what can we find out about this person that we don't like in order to expose him and that's going on in a much not just wrestling basis i mean but even like someone like a patrick clark who's you know talked about some of the stuff as of recently and it just it it gets uh it gets a little bit hairy and if you're wondering why certain people aren't showing up that might be why is because they have skeletons in their closet some of them that are there for a good reason some of them not so much. Some of them that have been atoned for, some of them that they could atone for, but it doesn't seem like that's the pace of the want. You know, it's it's not about trying to see if you can be a better person going forward. It's erasing you from existence in a lot of instances. So that's how I feel about it. But yes, agree 100% on that. And uh, like, the only thing I would say is like if you look at look at people want to see Kurt Angle, people want to see Jeff Hardy, people want to see Stone Cold Steve Austin. If you look at any of those guys who are top guys that would be top guys anywhere they show up and be heavily featured, they all have big ass skeletons in their closet. If yep. you really want to dig, it's not just like I said some shit online um, or I have these kind of political beliefs or I'm a fucking nut job and unless brian kendrick was trolling which he may have been uh <laughs> you get what i'm saying like if you start digging on anyone long enough you will find something uh so having this mindset of like we can never forgive a person especially if they come out and apologize for it if you want to send them to sensitivity training whatever you want to do you have to have you can't if you go about your entire life thinking that people can't change at all that seems like a very terrible world to live in Oh, and not only that, but like with a subsection, and because this is this is not all the left, this is a subsection, a smaller group within there that have a lot of power because they're passionate, but also they have platforms like Twitter, and a lot of people believe that. But it just seems like, you know, uh, I forgot the direction in which I was going. I just, I don't know. It just. Uh, It's it's very it's very you trying to get all the people you don't like so it's just you and the people that you want that you consider the real society to be the thing left and that is so segregating when it comes to any instance doesn't matter if it's race religion uh, whatever just point of views and it's also just like anyone's bad that you deem bad and I just don't get that value at all like it's it's kind of disgusting. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's just it's at some instance it's lack of forgiveness and the thought of like no one can change ever. With Ric Flair, he was like fifty <laughs> during that story, so I could see people being especially with other Ric Flair stories, which he's all yeah. he's been open about his entire career, so I don't know how you're getting mad now. Like all that most of that story is in his autobiography. 
with a lot of other fucked up shit about Ric Flair. It's it's just weird that people pick and choose like when they're going to start firing these shots off at individuals and well, and not only that, it, but also sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, no, I was just going to say some of it just ties into this fake wrestling war that people have made in their heads between AEW and WWE. Let me tell you, yep. it's not that goddamn important. It's just wrestling. It's like when people get so fucking heated about DC and Marvel, bro, it's it's just comics. They've been around since like Ugh. the early 1900s. It's like <laughs> it's uh like you shouldn't have let this stuff affect your life so hard. It's I mean, it is good to point out that people have faults, and especially if they're celebrities or they have some sort of major like with Ric Flair pointing out that this shouldn't be a guy that you necessarily idolize. It's not that's not a bad thing. Like you should acknowledge the past. But at the same time, you can't. You're also disregarding that people can change and make differences in their life and try to become a better person if you just immediately condemn them and keep them condemned forever. Yes, and I would also personally say, at least from my own uh, opinion, uh, when – and I really liked Dark Side of the Ring at first. When they said at, at first they didn't want to do a lot of – you know, they, they didn't just want to do salacious stuff, and they didn't want to do the specific story that they ended up doing, but it was requested so much with the – you know, and we've heard a lot of – with that whole entire airline thing. Um. The fact that they were promoting on Chris Jericho that you're not going to be able to think the same thing about certain wrestlers and the way they promoted it, and the fact that even though they did terrible ratings, that was the one that actually had the best ratings for it, and it's been called out, especially by Rob Van Dam, that the way they edited it made it look very differently, and I feel terrible for any person, especially the lady in the, the video, if if she had a deal and, and especially with the stuff that she talked about, but the fact that they never brought up her scathing past beforehand, uh, including being a jewel thief, it's just very convenient. It's easy to make really good salacious television. And like, I, like, like Chris said, we, we know about the past of Ric Flair and how into himself he is and how he fucking probably egotistically thought that any woman was into him. So yeah, he is, kind of a piece of shit not kind of a piece of shit on that aspect but it's one thing and then it's done the person's over blah 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 but you know that's how it is nowadays but uh getting back into it um pentagon dark's coming to fucking uh, AEW now we only talked about two people that show up but there's actually a third person someone I'm very much looking forward to Chris because we did have a, a, a bit of a promo, and Alex Abrantes was narrating it with a weird uh, added thing to his voice. And you see what looks like Penta uh, in his normal outfit with a shovel. Alex explains that when Malachi Black sprayed him in the face, it changed uh, something in his brain, something that he hasn't you know, basically done or been a part of in a very long time. You know, like I said, the wording might be different, but, you know, that was the gist of it. And he starts at a at a uh, a grave site digging up what would be the mask that would be Pentagon Dark's mask. The, the, the further one that he used in Lucha Underground, not the black full one, but the one with the red cracks on it. And we hear Alex Abrantes say, 
now will be the return of Penta. I I don't remember what dark is in Spanish, but Penta Dark, basically. So that's really cool because, I mean, if you were a fan of Lucha Underground, uh, you you heard, uh, you, you, you saw the difference between characters. Penta, Pentagon Jr. in general is very, very fun, you know, with the with the crowd, getting him into it and stuff like that. It's almost like a sting dichotomy, if you will, because this version's darker. He's breaking people's arms. He's vicious. He's aggressive. Uh, it's almost like his own Austin, you know, addition to his character, if you will. And he doesn't give a fuck. He's ruthless. So... Also, with Ray Phoenix coming back and how he feels about his brother going back to this style, it's very interesting to see this dynamic of Pentagon showing up in AEW, and I'm very excited about it, actually. Some of the stuff with the, the House of Black has not worked as well. Certain things have. Uh, I would say the stuff with the fucking Varsity Blondes, not so much. Something like this as an added element? Yeah, I'm down. So there, uh, I don't know if you've watched any of Dark, but Julia Hart is taking this more seriously. They've been booking her more as a heel. So I think she might really? get thrown into the, into the House of Dark, which is kind of where we thought it was going. It's just they kind of, they made it goofy, especially like the stuff she was doing on Twitter. Uh, but it seems like maybe they're taking that more serious direction. Oh man, we're gonna get Pentagon, evil Pentagon. It's great. I'm so excited for it. And uh, like you said, if you, if you go back and watch <laughs> Lucha Underground, uh, Pentagon Black or Evil Pentagon, whatever whatever name you want to throw on this man, when he gets pissed off and becomes this dark evil person, he's snapping everybody's limbs. It's like. Uh, <laughs> it's like uh, the villain or um, God, why can I think of his name from NXT that snaps people's fingers, except he does it with their actual body, like full, full on limbs. Marty scroll. So it's good. Yeah. Marty scroll. And uh, God, why can I not think of his name now in the NXT? Uh, oh, former Yuki champion P done. Yeah. It's, it's like that, but like their entire arm. So, dude, feed him, feed him some some no names, feed him some fucking jobbers, and have him just break their arms like you know automatically to the point where even Pac's like, dude, what the fuck is your problem? What is going on with you? You know, it, it would be a lot of fun to see that version kind of. And I love Normal Pentagon. I've I've said it. The way that Penta interacts in the ring with the audience reminds me of Randy Savage, you know, doing the twirls, the way that he just he has that same ability. But when you do this version, and it's much more that aggressive version, he'll still do that a little bit, but it's more about him coming out and fucking up someone. So, yeah, I'm definitely down for that. Oh, Pentagon might have things about Lucha Underground. Pentagon might have one of the most natural Charis- just in general, he's just so charismatic with everything he does in the ring when he's playing a baby face. It's like, I don't, even if he fucked up like 10 spots, the fans would still <laughs> cheer for him. 
as soon as he looks at them and does any kind of hand motion, like it's just natural charisma. And when he turns into the evil version of himself, it it's it's great. I, I wonder how the AEW audience is going to react to that. I would almost put him in the House of Black and then make Aleister Black worried that he's actually too evil <laughs> or something. If it was me, but mm. I, I'm I'm interested to see what they're gonna do. Excited for Pentagon. Excited for Ray Phoenix maybe showing up and having to go against his brother if Aleister Black if he does join the House of Black. I mean, it's not really Dark Triangle if there's not three members, but do you get Ray Phoenix and uh, the Bastard versus, you know, say Brody King and Pentagon and build from there? I think there's some very interesting stories they could tell regardless on which way they want to go with Pentagon. If they want to go like the Sting route where he's like kind of against everything, they could do that. Or if they want to tell the story that he sucked into this very evil group. All good shit because hey, Pentagon's fucking great. <laughs> yeah, so, he really is. It'll be amazing whatever they do. I, I, I. We've been saying it for what like almost two years now. As soon, basically, as soon as like, <laughs> as soon as, as soon as the Lucha Brothers showed up, we were like, yeah, but like, when are they gonna feud? So, <laughs> however they get to that, I don't care. But I do want that Ray Phoenix, Pentagon feud in AEW. I think that'll be great. Yep, definitely a big fan of that. Another thing that happened backstage, really cool segment. And uh, wait, are we are we out there yet? We might have to. Uh... Nope, let's get through this Wardlow match. That was next. Okay, so Wardlow came out. You know, they had him get the suit the fuck off, put on the goddamn singlet, get out to the ring. He's going against a blade. Same thing that always happens, just adding to it. You know, Wardlow is with the audience they're they're telling him to powerbomb a million times you have sean spears telling him to like you know lighten up and just fucking finish him uh wardlow won't listen to him he beats him and then sean spears comes in starts hitting the person with the chair kind of stealing the spotlight if you will and then leaving and wardlow just has to deal with it so this is just adding like i said to what we're gonna see uh coming forward with I mean, Wardlow, he has so many reasons to say fuck this and beat the shit out of MJF and Sean Spears. And when that happens, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, my only problem with this match is he shouldn't have sold anything at all because he demolished CM Punk. So the blade should have been zero problem for Wardlow, especially if you're trying... Which I don't ever think they're going to get back to. Well, they might get back to Wardlow versus Punk, but I think it's going to be in a roundabout way because later in the show, Punk wins another match against fucking MJF. Right? So I'm assuming that's when the turn is going well, to happen. Well, FTR. No, no. I, but the, the outcome of that match, if CM Punk won. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You could right. face yep. MJF whenever, when, whenever, whatever time, etc. That's what they, the story they told. So it's like Punk outsmarted MJF, which I think is the story they're trying to tell. Yeah. So I'm assuming that's when Wardlow is going to snap on fucking MJF, right? So I would I would have him just absolutely as far as like going against someone like the Blade and the Blade's a good like him and the Butcher are a great tag team. Um, but Wardlow did just powerbomb 
fucking CM Punk like eight times two or three weeks ago. <laughs> maybe maybe he just snaps the blade in half immediately. Like uh, so, him doing any kind of selling was just kind of weird. You could tell the crowd was out of it until he started fucking power bombing this guy, and then they got super into it and wanted to see him kill. Which Wardlow's a great wrestler, and I think people will take like if he's going against a higher end opponent, I think the the crowd will get more into it as far as him selling and doing stuff as we saw with with Cody Rhodes. But like when they just throw him in with someone random like the Blade, people just want to see him fucking kill him like he's Goldberg in '97. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what they they should be doing, basically. All right. Which, well, we have. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that should definitely be the route. The Sean Spears thing, it's he's great in this role and i think that like you said i think it just adds on and builds to that storyline so i had no problem with him stealing the thunder a little bit and pissing stealing some glory off dude does wardlow show up in the fucking diesel gear (laughs) probably (laughs) with the with the fucking tassels i hope he does it'd be amazing that would be awesome all right inner circle team meeting mandatory by chris jericho uh, I thought this was awesome. This is the best thing that I've, I've seen with Chris Jericho in, in a very long time. And that's because he's finally going back, it seems, from what he said, into the heel Chris Jericho that I think that he needs to be at. So we had Jericho, Hager, Sammy coming out to the music, them getting to the ring, and kind of uh, LAX, or not, uh, Prime Powerful. They're late. Their music hits. They come in. Um, and... Chris Jericho said it was really cute that they decided to come by themselves, but, you know, whatever. Like, what did they have to say, basically, you know, because Chris Jericho thinks that they should be, you know, at fault right now because they uh, allowed a crowd of people to not be able to see Chris Jericho wrestle in a match when they uh, had their match uh, two weeks ago. And... You know, just calling up that he should have been able to be in the ring and they didn't allow the audience to see that because of whatever they're going through. And at one point, Santana just was not having it. He told him to shut up. He started speaking about the fact that they have done everything to help out Chris Jericho, that they have worked with him, uh, that what happened uh, the the week previous the two two weeks previous was Chris Jericho's fault and that they think that they can handle stuff that they've held them back that it wasn't just Eddie Kingston that put that thought in their head this has been going on for a very long time and Jericho flips it and says you guys had your chance about a year ago you had a chance to go against the Young Bucks and you lost and uh, that didn't really work well um, you know going back and forth with Santana, you know, Jericho said that Santana reminded him a lot of Eddie Guerrero, uh, you know, not just in the ring, but also kind of throwing some shade on him saying the fact that he would get so heated that he would put his problems on other people. And this would get even more heated and stuff like that. When Chris Jericho started talking shit about, uh, Eddie Kingston and said, you know what, maybe I got the wrong two members of LAX and said, Hey, Jake, do you have the phone numbers for Hernandez or, um, uh, oh man, I'm blinking. Uh, Homicide. 
And Jake goes to look on his cell phone, and Ortiz lunges at him, and you have Santana grabbing Chris Jericho by the fucking throat, and them going at it. Sammy's trying to break up everything, get everything resolved, and when he finally gets in the way, Chris Jericho tells him to shut up, and Sammy's just taken off guard and says, you know what, screw this. He goes, I want to work on becoming the best uh, professional wrestler and champion of my generation and I love you guys, but you're getting in the way of it. So I've already quit this thing. I'm doing it again. You figure out whatever you guys got to figure out right now. I'm out and takes off his vest, throws it on the ground, leaves Ortiz grabs it, grabs the mic and says, you know what? You have no room to talk about when it comes to what you said about Eddie Kingston. You might've helped us, you know, with main events and whatnot. But when it came to, us being a tag team, you jumped in ahead of us, you know, with Hager, with Sammy, and basically, you know, Eddie helped us out at the beginning. He's always been, had our back, blah, blah. So all of a sudden Santana says, look, how about this? You two versus us two, and we go from there. And Jericho says, fine. Us two versus uh, you two, we'll figure out what happens afterwards. But this tag team match is mandatory, and you better be there. And they kind of, like, laughed at Jericho as he left. Jericho, the cockiness, saying that the fans, you know, didn't get a chance to watch Chris Jericho have a match. And that was, like, one of the main things that pissed him off about them not tagging him in on the three and three two weeks ago. The fact that Jericho was just the way, like, I love Santana in this. Santana was incredible on the mic. Santana has a similar passion, aggression, uh, not passive-aggressive, but, like, passion and aggression towards himself that comes off so believable. It's something that I always praise about Macho Man Randy Savage, how he, the, and Eddie Guerrero, for uh, being able to apply you know, how passionate they are, make it realistic and showing that scary aggression to them. There's only a couple of people that have that quality, you know, nowadays, John Moxley and Tama Tonga come to mind, but Santana is another guy that great on the mic when he's being able to show it or teases it as well. So I'm hoping this ends up being the end by all of it. Maybe Hager stays on as Jericho's heater in like a heel perspective. We have prime powerful as one of the top tat top tag teams going forward and Sammy gets to do his own singles thing and not have to worry about all this shit, but who knows they could make up next week. I hope they don't. I loved this. I thought Santana and Jericho were great. Jericho did a great job of playing a shade of gray where you're over because you're this giant hall of famer, but you're also an egotistical maniac. Um, which like he was pissed off because he like you alluded to he's pissed off because he didn't get tagged to the match. But the way he said it was the fans didn't get to see me wrestle, uh, which is just kind of you know top tier Jericho shit. Santana's passion and aggression, like you said, was phenomenal. Uh, I love the line where they I I love when people bring up history because it means they actually care about the storylines they've been building for the past. And that's part of the reason I like the Seth Rollins and and Roman Reigns match is the one fucking story WWE cares cares about is the shield. Um, 
it, it was a very similar throwback because if you remember, or uh, Ortiz was the one on the, or no, Santana was the one that was on the fucking fence with Sammy Guevara when they brought in MJF to the inner circle. Like he didn't trust the fucking guy and they did the team vote and Santana was ready to whip this guy's ass. And then Ortiz is like, nah, dude. And, and he brought it up in the promo. He's like, you would have already been laid out if it wasn't for Ortiz. So you should be thanking him for your life kind of in the promo, basically good shit all around. Uh, Sammy Guevara's mic work, I need to see more of and uh, less of these fucking cue cards picture in picture to depict his story of where he's at. Because, I mean, he cut this promo like in the middle of this. I thought he was like the weakest segment, and I was very, very happy they did not give Jack Swagger a fucking microphone again. Because, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but this was a great segment. I like the buildup. Should be a fun match. And uh, I'm assuming that Pride and Powerful is going to win with the help of their good buddy, Eddie Kingston, who is over his eye injury. And uh, I don't know, man. It's good shit. It'll be fun to see where Sammy Guevara ends up, because I think this title match is going to go one of two ways, right? They're either going to have Darby win or they're going to have fucking Andrade interfere in some way. And Sammy keeps the titles that way. And, and, just does this inner circle stuff. I'm done with the inner circle. And I, I want LAX to be the great tag team they can be. And they should be challenging for the titles. And outside of the, I would say the hell in a cell match that like the loot wasn't a hell in a cell, but that cage match that Lucia brothers and the young bucks have like the best friends (laughs) and pride and powerful has probably had the best tag match. Um, with that fucking street fight they had. So I want to see more of them, maybe less of Jericho. I like putting them back with Eddie Kingston to some extent. I like the idea, especially if they're going to promo battle of Eddie Kingston versus Jericho, because the, uh, the weirdness of those two characters colliding is interesting. And um, I don't know, fucking bring in homicide and Hernandez. Why not? Have Jericho replace LAX with LAX. You're fucking hilarious. Uh, either way, I liked this. The Sammy Guevara like breakup was just it just felt kind of awkward because he's he is the smallest guy in the ring. <laughs> so him like breaking these these cats up and then throwing his coat down and leaving again. And then they the the thing that really broke it for me was like when he started doing the picture in picture long ass story monologue directly after this. Yeah. I think it's something. <coughs> oh, sorry guys. I think it's something that, uh, he's been doing for a while, but it's whatever. It's, it's kind of boring. What I have to say about prime powerful in general, uh, Santana and Ortiz, I know FTR won the tag titles for a, a period of time, but I think that they both have that same problem. That's why I enjoyed their set of matches that still has not had the last match, you know, uh, winner uh, with, no, no, wait, that was against the Lucha Brothers. Never mind. But just either way, I, I, I feel that Prime Powerful and FTR are used for big group battles and three on threes and, whatever happens within their, you know, the inner circle or 
uh, with the the uh, uh, MJF's group, basically um, the Pinnacle. Uh, it just I would like to see them more just in fucking tag matches going forward with all these other tag teams. And I think that we had the break off of another tag team I want to see elevated that I think has been kind of in the background uh, on Rampage. But we'll get to there. I thought you were going to say Homicide Hernandez. <laughs> tag team I want to see again. Um, yeah. Hey, if they show up, that would be awesome. Hey, they were a pretty decent tag team in TNA. So. Uh, I don't know. Motor City Machine Guns, Dane. Hey, dude, they're going against... The, if it's not the Hardys, maybe it's Motor City Machine Guns in uh in that crazy-ass fucking tournament, Crockett Cup. I feel like if I continue to say it, it'll will itself into existence where I'll get to see them in AEW at some point. It, it might happen, man. It might. I, I believe in you. All right, let's let's move on. Uh, speaking about the Young Bucks, they were back outside, actually, uh, right next to a trailer uh, in the background, talking to Adam Cole, and you know just about what's been going on lately, and the fact that the Bucks on Rampage will have a match with Rapongi Vice, uh, Rocky Romero, and Tremperetta. Uh, a little bit of an altercation between the two teams uh, happen. Adam Cole helps the Bucks get the better of them. And while uh, I believe it was Rock Romero was on the ground, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we see a gentleman with a jacket come grab Rock Romero and kind of Kevin Nash uh, to Rey Mysterio, you know, just dart him into the trailer. And Switchblade is on his back. Uh, Young Bucks are really confused on why the hell he's there. Adam Cole is very excited uh, just to lead, you know, to later throw in what happens uh, afterwards uh, later on in the show where the Bucks are like, what the hell to Adam Cole? Like, dude, Kenny does not like him. Uh, They've had problems, you know, this whole entire Bullet Club. And Adam Cole shuts them up and goes, hey, we're a unit. We're the elite. But we're a Bullet Club for life. I trust him sort of thing, and he goes, you guys do what you gotta do to prep for a Pongi Vice on Friday for Rampage. I got something I gotta do, and that would come to back to the end of the main event, but uh, how do you feel about... So basically, I love Tony, and I think that he gets it now, because he kind of apologized for it, which is stupid, because what he gave us was still awesome. He probably needs to tamper a little bit what he hypes up for what's going on. So he had kept on saying the week uh, of last week uh, about this forbidden door concept. It was about to be broken down. There was a big star coming in. And that was not supposed to be Jay White. That was supposed to be Keith Lee. Uh, But then he realized that Keith Lee didn't really break a forbidden door since he was a free agent. So Sunday, he confirmed he finalized Jay White uh, making an appearance on AEW. So that's what it was, because technically Jay White, who is right now on Impact, is also part of New Japan. So that would go along with it. But at the same time, the complaints and the the bitching. We're going to talk about the Keith Lee match uh, next, the qualifier match that he had. Um, We got fucking Keith Lee on this. We got 
Jay White interacting with everything and even being a part of a storyline going forward. And we have fucking Pentagon to Pentagon Dark, one of the coolest characters in Lucha Underground history. And still, people bitch. I agree. Tony needs to chill out a little bit, not promote to hell. And then even though I love Christian, all of a sudden Christian shows up or whatever has happened in the past. But still, this was a loaded fucking show. Great matches, great introductions for characters. I think that people, I think the wrestling fans that are like AEW only fans, God, in a lot of ways, are just pains in the fucking ass, man. At first, I was like, the surprise is Jay White. He's been on Impact for like weeks and wrestling in New Japan Strong. I was not happy either. And Keith Lee's music hit, and I was like, Oh, fuck, that surprise paid off. <laughs> like, I was immediately excited. So the fact that fans were, like, disappointed was or, or was weird. Because I just had that – because they paid it off almost immediately. Like, right after the Jay White shit, they, they gave you a huge payoff in Keith Lee. Um, so, like, why, I, I think they should just stop using the term forbidden door. Because the only forbidden door is people going to WWE from other companies. All these other companies are working with each other. Fucking Matt Cardona's on every goddamn show for the next six months or some shit. So, like, there is no forbidden... The only forbidden door would be, like, Okada shows up and and wrestles Roman at Mania or some shit. That would be a forbidden... You want to break down the forbidden door, do that. Um, the, The problem is, when you put that kind of like label on something and you bring in someone like Christian who is an all-time WWE guy and you start bringing in like people like Punk, etc., which were all free agents. So it's not really I mean, they're WWE guys, but they're not they weren't like signed or anything. Um it it's just it 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 gives that stigma of like the NWO like who's coming next like Lex Kevin Scott like where you're bringing in people from the company and there was only two companies that exist but we see this crossover all the time now like Impact has like fucking four different companies wrestling on their roster right <laughs> now <laughs> so uh, there is no sense of forbidden door it's more like the territories versus WWE yep. uh, to some extent. Uh, and like, so to use the term forbidden door, I think it really only applies to one person at this point, which is Okada. So if you're going to like build it up, like don't use that term, regardless of who you're signing for a long period of time. And then when it comes time to pull the trigger on like a Naito, a Tanahashi or an Okada, then use the term. Cause they're the top guys in new Japan when Kenny and Cody left. And if you want to do oh. something with that, save it for that don't like everyone knew keith lee was let go no one was happy with his wwe run like his main run so like him showing up in AEW, while it was a great surprise and i think they did pay off what he was talking about is it really a forbidden door and uh, i don't know yeah no I, i i completely agree with you i you can use it also for if you sign someone from another company that's one of their biggest people. Like if you were to like sign Josh Alexander or Moose over, you could use that for like their introduction. Or if I guess you interact with like it has to be the top people. But yeah, when it comes down to it, you say Forbidden Door. No, no one from WWE is coming over. So I'm thinking, okay, it's got to be Okada or Tanahashi or Naito, one of the top guys from New Japan. Now him finalizing it with Jay White. Him showing up, 
It still did kind of annoy me, but that's because we just saw him fucking show up on Impact. So it was kind of like, huh. But then what we had next, and we had a great match. It was the qualifier, I believe, for the TNT Championship. Um, yeah, what's what? Revolution ladder match qualifier, and this is the person that wins this at the pay-per-view at Revolution will get number one contender for the TNT Championship. And we had um, we had Isaiah Cassidy going against Keith Lee. Great person to put against Keith Lee. I liked everything that took place in this match. For you know, the first thing, obviously, seeing Keith Lee come out looks great. Doesn't have to wear a fucking singlet or some goddamn uh, dress, uh, skirt, whatever. Just looks like Keith Lee. Uh, comes out, looks positive as hell. Him and Mia Yim just got married on Sunday. That's that's pretty cool. So this was his follow up to that. Probably having a great week li- uh, living on on cloud nine. Just looks like a million bucks. Jr. put him over so much in this match. Loved him instantly, saying that he was very special talent. Uh, saying that he was like a high flying version of Mark Henry, something like that to that extent and said that he reminded him a lot of Mark Henry when it came to look and strength. Um, this is someone that <laughs> both Mark Henry was having a conversation with powerhouse Hobbs and Dave LaGreca on uh, busted open. And they're both very happy for him to be a part of this. I mean, he's someone that you can put with smaller guys, big guys. He's an amazing big guy uh, to the athleticism level of, of what Bam Bam Bigelow probably was to his time period. Uh, just, I love Keith Lee. I was a big fan. Uh, I, I remember that viral video of him doing a fucking, um, uh, same thing that Kenny Omega does, but the, oh, the, the flip over the fucking ropes to a bunch of people and what he can do for his size, absolutely ridiculous. He conduct an audience, all of them saying bass in his glory. Isaiah Cassidy was great because of his size, because of that high pitched squeal that he has. He's actually really good at selling, so it worked out perfectly well. He launched the motherfucker from one turnbuckle to the other like it was nothing. He was able to show a lot of his uh, skills. He gave Cassidy a little bit of a comeback when Cassidy uh, you know, uh, ran and, and did a dive to him on the outside. Uh, but then he had his uh, – his, it's, it's an amazing slam because – because he likes to do this and that power bomb. I forgot what, what what he calls it, spirit bomb. But also he likes to do it where he has them like a Samoan drop, and then jumps them up and then power slams them after he rotates them. One two three. Keith Lee is AEW. Very happy about that. And I would love to see Mia Yim unless she's maybe taking off some time for family stuff, for what they have going on. She'd be a great contribution to help out the ladies uh, because she's a damn good professional wrestler. So all around great stuff during which the match uh, Matt Hardy (laughs) uh, pulled his brother. Basically, they did the exact same sequence. Someone actually went out of their way to to do it and had Matt Hardy do what Jeff Hardy did at that live show. But completely leaving, uh, you know, forgot what the name of this damned tag team is um private party party and i hope private parties by themselves now i think they're great i think that it was good to have them with matt he they probably learned a lot um but they're a good tag team let them do their own thing i think matt's leaving actually for a while 
Andrade is going to be like, where the fuck is he? And then he's going to come back with Jeff Hardy later on once Jeff's done with his 90 day no compete. Kind of like, you know, get off the grid and then come back in a completely do, new way is what I could see happening. Um, but yeah, great stuff, man. I love seeing Keith Lee show up. Bask in his glory, motherfuckers. <laughs> All right, so you ready for my notes on this? Because this is the best way I can review this. All right, so here we Absolutely. go. Absolutely. Primetime players. Damn it, this theme is such a banger. Shots, shots. Uh, holy shit, it's Keith Lee. Dot, dot, dot. Bask in his glory. Uh, then the immediate throw spot, I, I wrote, uh, Isaiah Cassidy loses via count out. <laughs> That sums up the match <laughs> pretty much because after that initial throw, you only needed that one spot to establish who <laughs> Keith Lee was and good on Isaiah Cassidy because he got a good jump going into it. Like, damn, son, he got he got tossed into outer space. Uh, I love the deadlift powerbomb spot onto his own partner. And then that wasn't good enough. So we powerbombed him on the apron, Kevin Owens style. Uh, I didn't get the, I, I, cause I didn't have, um, I guess I didn't catch the comment about the erratic behavior. I just thought Matt Hardy was scared. So he left, which is what I wrote. I was like, Matt Hardy doesn't want the smoke leaves. <laughs> uh, so I didn't put two and two together, but I guess it kind of makes sense. I just assumed that he was just like, fuck this <laughs> when he saw Keith Lee, uh, which probably should have been the story they they sold but yeah Keith Lee looked great here uh, he's a little bit heavier than he was in NXT and I saw people online talking about that um he's 38 so he I you know if he if he wants to drop 30 or 40 pounds it's probably better for him bumping in the ring and especially because he does a bunch of high flying stuff but outside of that like does Keith Lee really need to do anything other than just yeet motherfuckers because <laughs> He's the best at doing it. Like when he hits that big shoulder block and the guy flies 45 fucking feet, regardless of who they are, it's one of the best spots in wrestling. It's just so great. The way that he's able to just throw people. And there's been so many big people in the wrestling industry that, uh, I don't know. It doesn't have the same effect. It's like his, it's the emotion vibe he throws into it. I, I don't know what it is, but when Keith Lee picks up someone and, and slams them or lifts them in the air, it's it's a uh, it's a whole nother level. <laughs> I agree, man. It's he launched people. It reminded me of uh, <laughs> one of my favorite things I've seen on NXT of all time, and that's when Keith Lee was having a match with someone. I want to say it was Dun- uh, Dijakovic. And Adam Cole was pissed off and like coming towards the ring and Keith Lee just came out of nowhere and fucking pounced his ass into the audience. Like he is ridiculous. This guy just like just a drop down leapfrog at the fucking beginning. How the hell does a guy that size do that? Yeah, I like he threw in just a little bit of chain wrestling (laughs) and kind of opening match shit. Just Absolutely because he's like I'm Keith, I'm Keith Lee. It it was great. Uh, we gushed over the Adam Cole spot so hard on a previous podcast. So listeners, you can go back and check out that episode. I don't remember. I guess it was two years ago. Um, but yeah, he 
the Adam Cole one was probably one of the best pounces of all time because he he did just fly into the full cell audience. Just incredible stuff, man. Uh, all right, well, uh, let's let's move on. Uh, so we had CM Punk and his mystery partner going against FTR. Uh, and one thing I'll say before we get into the actual match, and by the way, I love the match. Uh, he was messaging, uh, people, I think he, I believe he asked Dan Housen, but the funniest one and, and probably the cooler one. And if this happened, I probably would have shit my pants was CM Punk tweeting right after that happened at about eight 30 Samoa Joe, are you out of the country? And Samoa Joe posted back a meme, uh, with the guy saying who me. So all I have to say is I love John Moxley. I thought they had an excellent match. Uh, but God damn dude, if CM Punk came out and then you had that angry guy with that face, the towel around his neck coming towards the ring, I probably would have. Yeah. I, I would have known Japanese all of a sudden. Let's put it that way. <laughs> you're saying you're turning Japanese like the song. No, what, I, what I said, we... like I would I would magically know the language now. That's that's oh, what it would okay. do to my brain. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, I thought Moxley was great here. That was a nice yeah. surprise. I didn't expect that. I honestly thought if it was me and I had to do this random spot, I was like, this would be a good spot for Hook. <laughs> like he just shows awesome. up and fucking suplexes people and leaves and CM Punk loses just because they're continuing the feud anyways, right? Uh, but throwing Moxley here is interesting because it ties Brian Danielson, John Moxley, and CM Punk together. Yep. To to some extent, and that story will be fun because I do think they're going to pull the trigger on the Wardlow stuff very soon. Um, and then you get this weird story of uh of you know CM Punk with his his long streak Moxley with his long winning streak. And uh, you give Daniel Bryan a couple more wins, his long winning streak. Uh, they're all going to have to fight each other. And then John Moxley, maybe having to pick a side, especially if you do bring in someone like a Samoa Joe. So regardless of who Moxley sides with or whatever argument is, if he does go the Daniel Bryan side, Punk can call in Joe. That's his partner. There's a tag match. You can split those two off and do singles matches as well, or you could flip it the other way. And I think that's a fucking great spot to be in if you're AEW because all of those matches will be fucking great. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. I would love that. Uh, just, just within this match though, this is to me, and no, I will say the two matches that really impressed me tag team wise was this match and the match we'll talk about uh, coming up with the Young Bucks and Rapongi Vice, which, I mean, if you've seen any other stuff in New Japan, incredible chemistry. But I love the pace of this match and how it had old school stuff just as much. I love the, the fact that they still stayed. Because let, let's be honest with you, this was a very old school match, but there was a lot of stuff where they did. They took complete advantage of the referee, which is something we complain on fast-paced matches. But the stuff that the Bucks and, and Rapongi Vice did, awesome fucking match. And I really did enjoy this one probably a bit more. But the ending, I mean, they threw everything. The fact that they got their finisher, FTR, on CM Punk. 
And the fact that if it wasn't for fucking John Moxley coming out of nowhere, it would have been done because they they have always won if they get that move down. So uh, there there was so many great spots. Uh, they they did a little tribute to the uh, legion tribute, I should say, to the Legion of Doom with the Doomsday Device with Moxley and uh, and and Punk doing that to um, uh, Cash Wheeler. I mean, these guys were just perfect. Being able to take each other out or mess with each other, especially, you know, uh, Wheeler and, um, and, and Dax. I really love this match, man. This is a great tag team match. I can't think of like every fucking thing that happened, but just ending it perfectly with after all, all the stuff out of all the, the things that almost ended the match and you finally get to the end and out of nowhere, fucking John, John Moxley goes and gets on Cash Wheeler, the DDT, as soon as CM Punk hits uh, Dax with the uh, go to sleep, just flawlessly, one, two, three, it's over. And uh, yeah, now MJF is pissed off in the back. Sean Spears is holding him, you know, because they were nervous. I loved all those like little parts where they went in the back and Sean Spears is trying to like, don't worry, buddy, you know, just like, you know, rubbing his back and shit like that while MJF's freaking the fuck out. And now Punk can go back against MJF and we continue that probably to the pay-per-view. So I'm sure we're going to have another match between the two of them, uh, between then. And then whatever happens at the pay-per-view will be, you know, best out of three. But I, when it comes to old school tag team matches, this was great. And all, all the guys busted their ass. They're all beating the shit out of each other. Um, I, I can't, I, I don't have a complaint about this tag match, Chris. Yeah, it's like a very weird juxtaposition between this and the uh, Young Bucks match where like the Young Bucks match you have like, I don't want to call choreographed, but very well thought out paced match. And they're both great tag teams. They knew kind of what spots they wanted to do where this one, it was almost like CM Punk and uh, (laughs) John Moxley just did whatever the fuck they wanted to. They had like one or two spots kind of thought out. Uh, One of my favorite. One of my favorite spots in the match is like CM Punk goes for a cross body block suicide dive and they catch him. And then Moxley just fucking <laughs> dives through and hits all three of them, which was really, really cool. Uh, and then also Tully got hit with the go to sleep, which was fun. Yeah. Like Tully, he didn't get up there. They had to reposition it, but it was still just a fun spot to see, you know, Tully take a, uh, a little bit of a slam and uh, the doomsday device was cool. That was banned in WWE because the primetime players did it and hurt someone. I think they got, I want to say that got gold dust fired because they really? were like, we're not comfortable doing this. And he's like, it's a shoulder block. Like, what? <laughs> uh, yeah, there was some controversy around that from what I remember, but so it was cool to see the doomsday device it looked fucking awesome. Oh, you know what I liked? When when I, I forgot how it gets set up, but Dax and Cash were on the outside, and CM Punk did a dive, but they caught him. And fucking Moxley, boom boom, and then dives into all of them right before a commercial break. They're all just dead on the ground. It was they did some great fucking spots in that whole entire thing. Yeah, that, that that's the same spot I was talking about. Like, oh, was catches, it? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, no, you're good. They catch fucking Punk, and then Moxley just is like, he does that weird little head tilt thing he does, and then just immediately went out. Also, 
Uh, very subtle, but when Punk entered the match and Moxley's music hit, he started doing the Moxley strut, kind of. Yeah, which yeah. Was, which was oh, pretty great. and by the way, uh, uh, I told Chris this, but just to let you guys know, so when I guess they figured this out, um, uh, CM Punk went back to find out what trunks he was wearing when he had the tag match against the Shield years ago and actually found them and wore them. So those red uh, trunks he was wearing... Same ones that he had on when he won against Moxley, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was that was that. Was, I didn't know that, but when you sent me that, I was like, I thought I had seen those before. That's pretty fucking awesome. Um, God, there was one other spot I wanted to talk about in this, and I can't remember. Oh, I know what it was. I like that John Moxley hasn't said anything on, on the bike, and he's kind of just walking around like a rabid fucking dog at this point. <laughs> yeah. Which is great because that just fits his character so well. Not because he's a bad promo. Cause I think Moxley's like one of the best promos in the wrestling yeah. industry. But with what they're doing with Daniel Bryan and and pulling in Punk and uh, him just kind of being naturally crazy, John Moxley. It was good that he didn't like they didn't do a backstage thing where Punk went up and was like, "Hey, will you be my?" You know what I mean? They could have easily have fucked this up, and they didn't. He was just a surprise. Came out great match, fun tag team match. Uh, Technic like the timing, te- technicality probably not the Jeez. best. I think it just depends on what kind of wrestling you look for at this point because I, I think it's a toss up on which one was a better tag match. It's personal preference between the the Young Bucks Punky Vice match versus this match. They were both fucking great. Yeah, great stuff, man. All right, so we have a cool competitor. Uh, we'll talk about another match she had, but uh, TBS, uh, yeah, TBS Championship match. Jade's now doing this just like with the TNT match, calling out random competitors. And I'm glad to hear that Jake Cargill is now specifically working with uh, Brian Danielson and Serena Deeb, apparently, uh, to get her skills in the ring better. I think that she has a shit ton of potential. She's very athletic. It's just she's still green on a lot of stuff, and it definitely was shown in this match where she went against a an alum from Booker T's uh, Reality of Wrestling School uh, that was in NXT and got let go before she even got to really do anything on NXT 2.0, AQA. Uh, I would try to get, like, probably another name. I don't know why. Maybe I just don't understand the acronym itself. But, uh... You know, it, it was kind of sloppy in this match at certain parts. Uh, we've seen Jade just have some pretty good matches based on the person that, that she was going against the last two times. And like I said, I think it's only since she, she has a lot of confidence. She has a lot of charisma. She's actually pretty good on the mic. She really doesn't need my, Matt Sterling, but whatever. And she's powerful uh, and very athletic. She has a lot of potential in those regards. When you have... Serena Deeb and, and Brian Danielson, who's asked by Tony Khan to work with her and get get her better in the ring. That's a very positive thing. Um, AQA, uh, you know, good showing, just like she had last night against the champion, Britt Baker. But we'll, I, I have some, uh, some problems with that in general. Uh, but, hey, they think highly of her. Still not the greatest match, Chris, I would say. Uh, AQA didn't go against Britt Baker. That was uh, Thunder Rosa's student, and I'm blanking on the name right now. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. I, I am wrong had, about that. 
who had a much fucking better match than a, uh, if that's what AQA was doing in NXT, there's a reason she got released because she kept forgetting spots to the point where Jade Cargill at one point is trying to sell and throws her arm up. Like you're supposed to run at me and Bryce Rinsberg, the referees like calling out spots, like yelling them to like, try to get them back on pace. Uh, I think Jade has gotten better in the ring. It helps if you have a good opponent, she's not ready to carry someone else. That's maybe greener than she is, especially on live TV. Yeah. So this is not like a this is not saying like AQH can't be a great wrestler or is it AQA or AQA I can't remember. Not saying that she can't be a good wrestler in the future or whatever. Probably don't do an eight minute match with Jade Cargill, who kind of struggles in 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 certain aspects of her game. You could have like she should have just fucking killed this poor girl. Honestly, <laughs> do you um, think uh, Jade working with uh, Danielson and uh, and uh, Deeb will be very beneficial for her. For sure. And I don't think this was her fault at all. I mean, there's one spot where she takes the, uh, she takes the fucking, was it the uh, shooting star press, right? She kicks out. She has a a great shooting star press. I will say that. Look good. But then she goes up to the top rope and Jade's waiting forever for her to do it, to roll out of it. And yep. it somehow got fucked up, so she just crawled down off of the top rope. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, basically, this is what happened. Then we got that weird-ass slam at the end where, like, Jade's trying to – I think what they were going for is, like, a cross-body block, but it looked fucking – it's – I don't feel like this was Jade. I think what happened is nerves maybe got the better of her opponent here and the timing got fucked up on the match and you got to rush through cause you got eight minutes and, uh, that's, that's, it's, it's good that the, Bryce uh, Rinsberg or whatever the ref was there. Cause he was like trying to call up their spots and like, Hey, we got this much time. We got to keep this going. Um, but yeah, like, I, I don't think I, I saw a lot of people online be like, see George Jade Cargill's not good. I was like, that's not really, that's not really, really fair. <laughs> I think, you know, your opponent can make as much of an impact on a match than anything else. We've seen great wrestlers have matches together and they suck. Like Hogan and Flair have had some real fucking stinkers. <laughs> right. Yep. And they're both good wrestlers. I mean, not, not Hogan's not like a technical oh. masterpiece or anything. How about, how about but... this? Austin and Undertaker have in many interviews by themselves and also together realized that they just had no chemistry in the ring and they always had bad matches. Like they might be a little more critical than us as fans, but they just like, they admit to themselves for some reason, every time they had a big match, it just didn't work out. You have Ric Flair and Hogan, you have fucking Taker and Austin. I mean, shit happens, you know? Yeah. And I think this was a combination of like, bad chemistry as well as just like maybe trying to do too fucking much. Yep. I agree. All right. Well, we had a match with Serena D right after this, she had a five minute challenge and she went against Katie Arquette, who apparently is David Arquette's uh, niece and she beat her pretty easily. So uh, there you go. Uh, Just, I guess we're going to do these things with, I'm fine with her being called a professor you know, the, the woman of a, a, a thousand holds, whatever she wants to call herself. And if she's going to go against a couple like rookies and just beat their asses for a couple weeks, hey, I'm down. I love Serena Deeb. 
And uh, good up to uh, to Katie Arquette. That's that's interesting that David Arquette's niece, if that is true, uh, which I mean, I just looked up an article. It apparently is uh, that she started wrestling just like the NWA champ or the WCW champion. Um, David Arquette, her uncle. Yeah, that's that's true, by the way. To be fair to her, she had a better match than Jade Cargill. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so after that, the Texas Death Match. My God, was this match fucking violent as shit. Um, you know what, Chris? I'm I'm gonna let you have it right now because it just like they started out in the back. There was that spot where they had that glass panel set up right next to the fucking desk of where Jr. and Tony and and an Excalibur were calling the match and. I mean, after Lance Archer went through it, he was bleeding like a motherfucker. I mean, there was just blood the whole entire time. It didn't get I, – I will say this. Like, I don't remember. Maybe I'm I'm going crazy. I don't remember fucking uh, thumbtacks coming out or anything that badly. But at one point, also, Paige was bleeding all over the place. I like Jake the Snake getting, uh, you know, involved doing the sh- short arm clothesline. I actually did it still flawlessly. Uh, went to go do the DDT and then uh, was cut off by uh, the murder hawk monster. But my God, <sighs> I don't care what the stairs are made out of. I know it's not it's metal, but it's a very thinner metal. It's not puxy glass, but it's like you know that version, if you will, or whatever the fuck there. But to do that move from Archer and slam him on that, that's like little to no era wasn't a big fan of that and then to end it the way they did how when they're fighting the audience you have uh whatchamacallit dan lambert come out clip the top rope because hey well then how the fuck can you do the buckshot lariat get that momentum to knock out archer if there's no top rope i actually like that and the commentary was really good to pick up on that immediately but i love that thing where you had it in the ring after you know, he they had that spot where he put him on the fucking stairs sideways with his finisher. Archer and him are fighting, and you have Archer on one side, and Bryce Rensburg goes to, uh, you know, get something or I, he went to grab something. I forgot what it was, and then Page, you know, buckshot lariated over Bucks or uh, over the uh, referee. Nailing him and going through two tables. It's a text death match, so it's it's uh you know last man standing, ten seconds, and Page is able to get up after that spot. Lance Archer was not awesome fucking match. After the match, Adam Cole came out, uh the thing that he had to do I guess, and went and grabbed the the uh the championship from Bryce Rumsberg and handed it to Adam Page. Looked at him. Kept on pointing to it, smiling. Paige and him were talking shit, and that was it. Uh, Jaden Snake Roberts, I don't know if he's going to be with him after this. I, I feel like they're splitting that off, and I'm hoping they're going a different direction with Jake. I would love him involved with Malachi Black and their whole entire unit, being able to be like an evil, like, you know, guy they look to or some shit, you know, something like that. But whatever they do is fine. I thought this was an awesome match, great brawl. 
Yeah, there was glass panels. Yeah, there was a lot of tables, but it didn't get too fucking ridiculous. It was just two guys beating the shit out of each other. Oh, there was a fork spot. Yeah, I forgot about that. The guy that's obsessed with Bruiser Brody, Stan Hansen, and fucking Abdullah the Butcher, along with The Undertaker, uh, took a fucking fork to Adam Cole's head. A lot of blood, man. A lot of blood. Um, what do you think about this, Chris? I want to start this out by saying this is what happens when you have a smart baby face that has friends because he started this match by knowing that Lance Archer was going to attack him in the back by attacking Lance Archer first, <laughs> which was great. Uh, I liked him throwing him through the plate. I mean, it's the murder hawk. You got to do everything you can do. Uh, you covered a lot of the great spots in this match. It's like Adam Page saw Kevin Owens take that fucking <laughs> – stare power bomb the other day and was like i can do something better than that or something i don't know what was going on there but that spot was absolutely incredible crazy i was worried because i thought he was going to get cut because the way they he kind of just bounced off the stairs like it was a trampoline and fell i was like oh my god um the jake the snake DDT spot was great after the short arm clothesline. He goes for the DDT. Lance Archer grabs, grabs and is like, hey, this is my match, uh, which I think is like almost is kind of a show of respect to his opponent, which is kind of a cool Lance Archer trait. Also, like, shows but the dissension is between it, him is and it, Jake. Yeah. Is it setting anything up? Like, I'm wondering what that's going to mean going forward. Because he's disrespecting yeah, like, Jake constantly. Yeah, and I I think that it is Jake bringing in someone. I I what did I say a couple of weeks? Bray Wyatt. That was my guess on who you would bring in in that situation. Wyatt um, Wyndham makes, or what, what whatever the fuck his name is. Yeah, so it makes sense because Jake ran around with that Texas crowd and and his dad and you got lineage there. They're both fucking creepy. You could do cool things with him and Lance Archer while it also being separate from what ever they're doing with uh, the house black. And then you, I mean, you could tie it back if you wanted to later on. Uh, so I think maybe that's where they're going with that. But uh, I loved when hangman after he got out of the DDT immediately hit a fucking DDT and then Jake, the snake flipped him off. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> which, was, which was pretty awesome. Um, another great spot where he's a smart baby face he doesn't have the ropes anymore. They have this like hot glue barbed wire chair, I guess, because it wasn't like wrapped like yeah. a normal barbed wire chair. Adam Page rips the barbed wire off of it, starts using it as a weapon. The two tables are set up. He sees his opportunity. He pulls the barbed wire off his arm and throws it at the feet of the ref. The ref goes down to pick it up, and that's when he goes for the buckshot lariat. Yep. So he's like one step ahead and i love i love 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 that concept and i like adam cole coming out and not attacking him because it would have been easy enough for him to show up with his boys and attack him but you know once your bullet club your bullet club for life which builds into that narrative and makes it a very interesting storyline going forward so i love the shit out of this match i think by far this is the best aw hardcore match i've seen they didn't try to do too much. I even like the stuff with Dan Lambert taking the top rope down. At first, I was like, oh, that's going to limit what they can do in the ring. But the guys worked around it just fine. I think Lance Archer looked like a monster here. Uh, great shit. I loved it. 
I agree, man. All right. <clears throat> Let's move to Thursday night. We're going to go through some of the bigger parts and just kind of whatever with, with, with some of the other parts. But Impact opened up with one of my favorite wrestlers now, I think, uh, outside, just in general, actually, just especially within Impact. Josh Alexander opened up the show. Uh, he, you know, many things uh, went and, you know, just said that he's a part of Team Impact, uh, talking down to the new uh, Ring of Honor group, uh, Honor No More, and then just started going into the fact that he should be going against uh, uh, Moose for, for everything that happened, for, you know, Moose cash, cashing in when he wanted the title and him never being able to have any rebound of any match against Moose afterwards, how Morrissey has been doing ridiculous stuff and tearing up places and beating up officials, and he's never had any repercussions, and he gets a first chance, and he doesn't, and, you know, he does anything, and Scott DeMore's on his ass about everything, and that would bring Scott DeMore kind of out and and talking to him and, you know, saying that he didn't like the way that he's been acting as of lately, that he's been doing stuff that's very out of uh, character of him. Uh, we had Big Con, uh, who is Connor from the Ascension of WWE, interrupting, coming out, um, and proposing a match against him and uh, Josh Alexander. I would have, look, when it comes to Ascension and me watching old NXT when they were popular, he was actually kind of the guy that stood out between the two of them. If you just signed him, which apparently Impact did, have him another match where he kicks the shit out of someone and give him someone that he can beat. I don't know. That that was kind of stupid to me. It was kind of like, okay, that's that guy's done. Doesn't matter what Aiden English and fucking Tom Phillips say about him beforehand. <laughs> he just got his ass kicked by Alexander. And uh, him and Scott Moore started really going at it. And uh, at one part, he shoved him, and he was pretty pissed off about it. And, you know, said that he gave him all the support and he's been very aggressive and that he's stripped of going in the match uh, because there's so much going on emotionally with him. And whatever excuses Scott Moore was trying to say, you know, he was not a part of the team for Impact going against Team Honor No More anymore and that he's going back to his house and, and, and thinking about the things that he's done, essentially, like, you know, chilling out. When he's ready, coming back to be a part of Impact. And uh, that was how he started off. You have, you know, one of the most over guys, I would say, Chris, in Impact. And this dude's brought up on fucking AEW for Brandy talking shit to Ethan Page, you know. Definitely one of the prospects that when he's done with Impact, Impact's going to have to pay a lot of money to keep him. Because if not, you know, I, I, I feel like he's got a lot of different places he can go and he's getting even better on the mic which is awesome as a solo player, but uh, he's kicked out for doing what? I mean, for accidentally pushing Scott to more? Like, what the fuck was the point of this? It was kind of dumb. Yeah, I didn't know you weren't watching this live, so my immediate message to you was impact, doing impact-ass shit. Seriously, (laughs) though. We need to get shirts made. This is a Wrestling Geeks Alliance on the front and on the back. It says Impact doing Impact ass shit. Because uh, it, it happens at least once on their show. It's like they can't get away from it. Even though they have all these great wrestlers, they've had good matches. They still find a way 
to like go back. I don't. Is it like a curse? Did Danhausen curse TNA? Dane, is yes. that is that what's happening? Because the storyline here is that Alexander lost because of basically a money in the bank type deal. He never got a proper rematch. They moved on from it. He's upset. He's like out here talking about his family and how much he loves the impact crowd gets into a little bit of brawl accidentally pushes or, or he pushes this fucking geek who shouldn't have been out there to begin with. Uh, honestly, <laughs> Scott Demore, I know he's like the, their guy or whatever, but like, why was he out there really? Uh, so he gets put, and then this guy just immediately bans him. Like he takes him off the pay-per-view because that makes you want to tune into the pay-per-view more. Take off the most over actual TNA guy outside of probably Moose. Yep. Uh, take him off your pay-per-view because that's going to make people want to pay fucking $60 for that thing. And um, yeah, like I said, just impact ass impact shit. They're teasing that he because he does wrestle with honor. And I think that's what his speech was alluding to is that, you know, he doesn't feel like he actually lost the title. He kind of got fucked over and he's been getting fucked around. It kind of is leaning towards him going to ring of honor. But the problem is like, they also have the bullet club there and they also have like the impact guys they have lined up and you don't know what you're doing with Jonathan Gresham. So it's like, are they going to start their own? Like it easily becomes a clusterfuck. Very, very quickly. Okay, so this is some big news, and I have no clue if this will happen or anything like that. So I looked up the uh, contract status for uh, Josh Alexander. This was revealed when Ethan Page left when they were part of the North. Josh signed a three-year deal in February of 2019. His contract expires in 2022. Um, and even in this inter, you know, whether it be real or not, Scott Moore is actually one of the main guys in charge of it, uh, with him saying, you know, some of the stuff proposed to me was that I was going to get the title and Scott Moore's, you did get the title for like two seconds and then got fucked over. But in general, and if I was AEW, this is, this is one, of the, it would be him or Moose. Some of the females definitely, but like male wise, him and Moose would be guys to try to grab from impact i'm wondering if josh is going to be there that much longer i mean he has the potential to do a lot i know that there's a lot of talent in AEW, but then there's also wwe and i don't know if they're against uh you know olympic based fucking wrestlers i maybe the, maybe indie wrestlers but who knows um he's someone that can get grabbed by another company and do a lot of shit even new japan for that matter i mean he's got like he, his two favorite wrestlers, Chris, I listened to an interview. Of course, he loves Kurt Angle, but that was later on. But when he was younger, he's about our age. It was uh, Bret, Bret Hart, Canadian hero. He's from Canada and shit like that. And Stone Cold Steve Austin. And obviously, a lot of the stuff he learned from Bret, but from Austin, intensity and the fact to not change his style of wrestling, no matter if he's heel or babyface or if he's going against babyface heel always being aggressive and just trying to use that type of equivalent. Josh Alexander is a good person to go anywhere. If he were to go to AEW, he could be great by himself and he could be great if they want to put him back with Ethan page too. So, uh, interesting that his contract's actually up this month. (laughs) Yeah. I, 
I feel like they're definitely playing off of that and building into the story of which side are him and Jonathan Gresham going to be a part of. Because if your impact in end or AEW, there's no reason why you can't work out a deal for both of these guys to be on the product. This is a pre-recorded show too uh, for Impact, so this mm-hmm. happened like what two two weeks ago. So they had an idea of what they were dealing with in the pay-per-view. And if, I feel like if, if Alexander wasn't going to be at this pay-per-view, they would have done something else. Not just like, go home and think about it. Or, you know, they would have killed the guy, right? Because, like, you yep. should put over, like, you would have Morsi kill him or something. Um, or put over whoever your next guy is going to be regardless of who that might might be. But to me, this builds up something. Now, that doesn't mean that Josh Alexander's not going to be there because fucking Jay White's, like, signed to New Japan and is wrestling in Impact and is now on uh, AEW. So I feel like just, you know, work out whatever the deal is and get him in both places if you want to do that. That's great. I mean, good for him. I think that's awesome. I think he's such a big part of Impact. If they lose him, that roster is, yeah. as far as, like, Home, I don't want to Eddie, say home built stars. Eddie Kingston's going to get another push, basically, if that happens. Yeah, because I mean, because it, it's almost like when they lost Joe and AJ Styles and James Storm and uh, like it, it, or not James Storm, but Bobby Roode. It, it almost becomes that thing of like, how many of these people that Impact fans <laughs> are loyal to are you going to take away from the product? Absolutely. Um, so I think he is. To me, him and Moose are the two staples there. Maybe Ace Austin. Um, yep. Like, there's there's certain guys there that you just can't get. Sammy Callahan, I think, has kind of yep. cemented himself as almost like a TNA guy ass guy. So, like, if you start if you start losing these people for impact, that's really really bad, especially doing an invasion angle. So, I don't think he's going anywhere. I'm not gonna say he's not gonna show up in AEW to to some because like i don't know what the fuck they're doing um but yeah just the way they set it up made it seem like he's going to be at that pay-per-view same thing with jonathan when we get to jonathan gresham a little later uh we can talk about that right now though because that's one of the segments that happened jonathan gresham was laid out we have no idea who did it is this a situation where uh honor no more is acting like we didn't do it you know, everyone impacts like we didn't do it. And Jonathan Gresham actually just faked it. and is actually the leader of uh, honor. No more. Cause we all know Jonathan Gresham is as baby face concept, but who knows? Maybe that's what he's pulling. And that's what we'll see at the pay-per-view. Yeah, but it's TNA. So it was the bullet club. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah, uh, that could be it. I could see that. But, um, yeah, so we had Steve Macklin uh, saying that he wanted to be the person to replace, you know, Josh Alexander. And that really would come down to, you know, at first, uh, Rich Swan, uh, you know, Eddie Edwards, Rhino, they all they weren't really and, and Willie Mack. They weren't really down for it. But, you know, later on, they realized that even though they don't get along, Steve Macklin's an impact guy. So. He's going to be on their uh, team. Uh, we had Deanna Perrazzo, Chris, um, saying that, and I love this concept, open challenge, you pick the title. I don't care 
if it's the Reina Del Rey champion or the Ring of Honor Women's Champion. You pick it out. And they had someone that I really like, Santina Garrett. I've liked what I saw of her in Impact, uh, in NXT for a short period of time. She's one of those girls that has been on the indies. Obviously, you have your Tessa Blanchard, you have your Deanna Perrazzo's, Britt Baker's, your Chelsea Green's. You know, all those women that have been doing their thing for a long time, but Santana Garrett's another person that has been a part of that, and uh, they had a great fucking match. Um, Deanna Perrazzo ended up winning. I hope Garrett, maybe, you know, she was in AEW a little bit uh, over on some of the shows on YouTube, but if she made a home over at Impact, another great female wrestler to get, and Deanna Perrazzo wins. And she's someone like Brian Danielson. She doesn't necessarily go for her finisher. If she can finish him, you know, in any technical manner, uh, that's what she does. And they even announced, not announced, but said over commentary, Tom Phillips said that Jonathan Gresham considers Deanna Perrazzo to be the best technical wrestler of his generation. So that's high praise, I feel like, coming from the octopus. What did you think about this match, Chris? I mean, now that you brought up NXT, how the fuck did WWE fuck up? <laughs> Santana two? Garrett? Oh, either Indiana. of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Fuck, man. This, this is a good-ass match. I love Deanna. I think that she, outside of Britt Baker, is probably my favorite female wrestler right now. And then yeah, followed she's... closely by Charlotte Flair, who had an absolute banger as well this week. Yes. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, like great. Loved it. Thought it was a good ass match. I, I like what they're doing. Diana. I want to see her show up at these NWA shows and I definitely want to see them build something with her and Britt Baker. Let's fucking go. They want to do it. Everybody wants to see it. Let's make some money on that pay-per-view split the profits or something. Figure it out. Is the forbidden door open or not? God damn it. Cause if the, for- if the forbidden door is actually open, Give the fans what they want to see, which is Deanna versus Britt Baker. Absolutely. All right, so we had a nice little uh, friendly match between Mickey James and Chelsea Green. Um, no, it is non-title. Um, Tosh Steels was there with Savannah Evans at ringside. Tosh Steele on 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 uh, you know on the mic uh, throughout this, I thought was great. How she ran down both ladies and thought this was just like a glory show show and was like thought that, you know, Chelsea Green just trying to like jump in front of her was ridiculous. And uh, this would end up happening with Chelsea Green coming out and actually knocking into both uh, both uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Tasha Steeles and Savannah Evans and then Evans nailing her and. It started becoming a two-on-two type of thing. DQ was made, obviously. Um, and, yeah, it was left with just more bullshit building up Tosh Steels and Mickey James. So, there you go. So, some impact-ass impact shit happened. Basically. <laughs> yeah. I, I, Chelsea Green's better as a heel. Or crazy. Yeah, man. I Doing wanted her, honestly, I wanted her to fuck up Mickey James. I mean, Matt has finally gone back to being a heel. I think that she should, too. Stop doing shush. 
Yeah, did his vignette happen before or after this? Because his vignette was pretty good. Or his like backstage. I, I don't remember Which one? the exact order. Uh, where he's talking about having the title and he's actually fucking wearing uh, Jordan, a Jordan Gray shirt. And he cuts the promo on like how he created the YouTube wrestling vloggers and how they should all like. It, yeah. And, like he's talking about like the lineage of like <laughs> elevating the wrestling game and like your impact on wrestling. And if you really think about it, he has a good fucking point. <laughs> uh, so I, yeah, I love the hell out of that promo. I just don't remember if it happened before or after this match. Um, but it was awesome shit. though. Matt Cardona is great. Great heel. He's starting to do a fucking phenomenal heel, and all the companies are part of. Um. So we're gonna have Gorillas of Destiny going against Good Brothers at No Surrender. We're also gonna have Eric Young going against Jay White at No Surrender. We have the Bullet Club come out and just completely desecrate, you know, all the members of Violent by Design, also the Good Brothers. Violent by Design was not too happy about this and an enraged Eric Young and his teammates came out and interrupted. Uh, and Young said that, you know, funks, uh, factions uh, run things in impact only for White to remind him that the Bullet Club has dominated for decades and are always on top. And this back and forth would happen with, uh, you know, the Good Brothers coming up and kind of calming down EY and the rest of uh, Violent by Design. Uh, Tama Tonga thanked Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson for leaving New Japan Wrestling after the Good Brothers told them they should thank them for their whole entire success. And, uh, yeah, this would end up with just talking about the two matches at No Surrender and uh, should be some good stuff. Dude, Eric Young versus fucking Jay White. Give me that. Good Brothers versus, finally, the Good Brothers versus Grills of Destiny. All right, I'll take it. Next weekend, hell yeah. The amount of excitement I have for this Jay White, <laughs> Eric Young match is over 9,000. I'm not going to lie. It's going to be great. Thank you. Uh, it's going to be absolutely fucking incredible. And uh, I, I'm i sure we've seen Gorillas of Destiny versus... Have we? That has to be out there somewhere. They've been calling uh, them out for the last like six fucking months. Yeah, that, that'll be a really fun tag match. Um, it's shaping up to be a good pay-per-view. That, that um, boost, if they don't get two in their head with the moose morrissey match it, it sh- that should be pretty good match as well uh, yeah it's, it's shaping up like a pretty damn good pay-per-view man like all honesty i'm gonna probably will watch that as it happens um which is how i judge wrestling do i want to watch this as it happens or do i want to <laughs> watch it later on uh do you, yeah. do you think that josh alexander is going to come in and fuck up both moose and morrissey cause a match just to make a statement. I maybe. Uh the Jonathan Gresham thing, the more I think about it, is it just Macklin? <laughs> that attack could be again. He I mean so he hates just, him anyways. He lost twice. Yeah, so are they just building cause he did beat him down, are they like building that? Um yeah. Uh, 
got oh the, the one cringeworthy moment is when they were talking about the bullet club dominating for decades i kind of just wanted fucking tanahashi to show up on their video screen and just do like a high motion and disappear <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or like Okada or somebody. It's like, y'all ain't dominated shit, son. Look at those title reigns. <laughs> like, yeah, AJ Styles was there, I guess. But as far as dominating, like, you guys switch leaders like every other month. Like, half your group leaves to go to other companies. Like, uh, <laughs> not, I, I don't know. The whole Bullet Club thing is baffling. Kenny Omega got it over by having a really great match with Okada. At least in America. Yep. All right. So we had Carrie Silken at the, you know, Ring of Honor owner or the old Ring of Honor owner uh, chilling to watch a match between the man beast Rhino and Rich Swan going against uh, Taven and uh, Bennett. And this match would end up with like, you know. A DQ, distractions from Vincent and PCO, and then, like, Chris Saban and Eddie Edwards. Got, it, it, it just went to fucking craziness. Steve Macklin came out, tried to help out everyone, and uh, Ian Ruckabani and Scott Demore were talking and, you know, talking about what needs to happen at No Surrender. And Ian Ruckabani pointed out that Steve Macklin should be the guy that they look towards. Um so all of a sudden, everyone, including Eddie Edwards, who was not too happy with this, got behind him. So, yeah, is he the mole? Is Jonathan Gresham actually, did he get attacked by Steve Macklin, or is he actually a part of this? Steve Macklin, someone that's helping out Ring of Honor. It's uh, it's putting a couple questions out there, man. So we'll find out next weekend, right? yeah what did i message you i was like i hope jonathan gresham shows up like sting in a trench coat and a crazy ass octopus masks he's got a couple of them because he's gonna fight like (laughs) right now he's basically fighting the entire roster because he's pissed everybody off by being honorable which is hilarious uh it is very much the sting thing where like sting is wcw guy he wrestles clean he has good like just good matches he loves the fans that's where jonathan gresham is right now as far as his impact character but it's impact us impact so it's probably like you know bullet club or matt cardona attacked him and then wore a jordan gray shirt and cut a promo (laughs) one of the two (laughs) All right, no DQ match. Brian Myers, W. Morrissey. How much are they paying Brian Myers, Chris? Like, what the fuck? Fucking hopefully all the money. So on the Major Wrestling Figures podcast, he had just gotten over coronavirus and had a very similar match at an indie fed with – like he was there with Hornswoggle. You know, they do that toy fig hunt or whatever on their uh, like vlog show. And yeah. He had a very similar match with, with someone where he took a thumbtack spot. And he was like, it just feels good to be back in the ring again and feeling things. And he's like, I'm doing stuff that I probably shouldn't do, but I feel so great after having COVID. Like he, it, It's really kind of heartfelt, like where he almost starts crying. I don't know if this was recorded like the same week or same weekend. I'm assuming that's why he did as much in this match, but uh, he was fucking great. <laughs> he was fucking great here. 
Brian Myers is uh he's gonna become a TNA legend if he keeps doing what he's doing. Um, he's just getting it over. Um, it was weird that he unduct taped Morrissey to hit the spear. I guess that was kind of just him being dumb and overconfident. But he controlled a lot of this match with the help of Ziggy Dice and uh, I can't think of the other guy's name. And it was good shit. I love you. I love you sitting the fucking uh, Raven Tepo. <laughs> After he does something hardcore, it's, I don't know. I, I liked I liked this a lot. I thought it was a really good match. I thought it made Morrissey look strong, and then Impact got really fucking Impact at the end of this, and uh, had Moose Moose come out after the match when it was irrelevant <laughs> and try to kill Morrissey, like actually try to guillotine Morrissey between two chairs with the worst camera angle of all time. And uh, also, uh, Morrissey eye roll sale sell is fucking tragic. That was terrible. I remember me sending you that. I'm like, by the hell, every time you get hit with a clothesline or a chair or something, your eyes shouldn't roll in the back of your head. You have like, you might actually have a health problem. You need to go see fucking Doctor House for that shit. The fuck, fuck are you on about? Yeah. So at the ending of this, uh, after all the fucking just shit that they went through, uh, Morrissey. Took Myers, powerbombed him. Crowd starts chanting one more time, and it goes to his face, and he's like, "I'll, I'll up it," and he starts pointing up, and I'm like, "Oh God, this could either be some weird table with fucking barbed wire on it, or it's going to be thumbtacks." And it was the latter, and he pushed it out, and he took fucking Myers, powerbombed him on it, and then turned his ass around, did it a second time. I mean, both power bombs. When you look at it, especially the first one that he did, was very short and kind of like, still, it's right on top of it. And then he fucking pins his ass on the fucking thumbtacks. I felt so bad for Brian Myers, but yeah, you're right. Moose came out, uh, beat the crap out of him, took a chair, wrapped it around his head, took him outside, and hit that fucking chair like four times while he's just like, you know, drooling on it, and Moose leaves. So that's how we ended it. That's how we ended it. But. Morsi's not going to beat Moose. And if he does beat Moose, I'm going to be pissed. The only person that should take that title off of Moose is Josh Alexander if he doesn't leave. Well, I'm, I'm expecting some impact ass impact shit to happen where all of the different brands interrupt the main event and they're like, oh, and they set up some kind of like four way for the next pay per view at the end of their pay per view because TNA. Um, I hope that doesn't happen. Prove me wrong. Give Moose a clean win or give more. I give either of them a clean win would be great, but I don't foresee that happening. They don't, they don't deserve this trust. It's like WWE. They don't deserve my trust anymore. Yep. Uh, as far as shit going the way it should. But uh, yeah, it's, it, what would you rather do? Take the power bomb into the thumbtacks or that fucking Lance Archer. <laughs> Oh, spot onto the stairs because I'm telling you right now, I'd probably take the thumbtacks. Like Me that too. feels like it would suck for like a very short time, but it would. I mean, it would still hurt, but like at least it's like one and done. Whereas like if you hit the fucking stairs wrong, you're just dead. Yeah, uh, I would take thumbtacks honestly. Even the double up 
fuck that. I don't want to get like sm- that was stupid. I'm sorry. That was a stupid spot that sh- they should not have done. I know that the the stairs look worse than they are, but still, it's like God, man. That was just dumb. I don't know. Maybe Myers is setting up something, trying to do something hardcore with Matt Cardona in GCW. Probably. I mean, he showed up there, so there's definitely that. Let's uh, let's build to something with that. Uh, Brian Myers is great. Put him on commentary more because he's fucking hilarious. Yeah, he's absolutely hysterical, especially with Tom Phillips and Aiden English. All right, let's go over No Surrender real quick. Their pay per view that's coming up next weekend. So you get one more show before this, but we know the whole entire card. We have Matt Cardona going against Jordan Grace for the intergender match with the Impact Digital Media Championship on the line. Uh, they had a great first match. I would keep it on Matt Cardona, and I hope he uh, – God, wouldn't it be crazy if he fucking uh, – maybe this is how he gets to Jonathan Gresham to maybe try to, like, get him for that title. But, like, maybe if he gets some color on Jordan Grace, that would be that would be – pretty crazy but to me matt's winning that chris yeah same and like i said it's either probably him or the bullet club that attacked gresham um i think it's fun either way whatever they want to do with it, it depends on what they're going to do with jonathan gresham i think uh but matt cardona just being a shitbag heel and beating up <laughs> beating up women because he's the original internet guy is is a pretty good heel storyline so i'm sure it'll be a good match man jordan grace fucking works her ass off so it should be should be fun excited to see that we got black taurus going against uh jonah rock uh this should be fucking two big men slapping meat uh so yeah i'm looking forward to that i think that jonah needs to get the win you know ever since he came over from nxc as bronson reed uh, it's it's been fun seeing him in Impact and a win over Black Taurus, who's a legend over in Mexico and also a part of uh, Rosemary and and uh, Decay and 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 you know pissed off about what he did to Crazy Steve. What do you think about this Haas match? Who's winning, Chris? I think Jonah's going to win this one. Um, like you said, coming over from NXT, he. He's who did he just recently lose to? Who uh, Jonah? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. It seems like Cardona. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Like he caught a couple losses, and I I I don't know. I feel like this will be the time that they, if they're gonna, if he's gonna be there long term, he'd probably get a win here. All right, Eric Young and Jay White have their match. Jay White's gonna win, but this should be this this potentially could be match of the night. Yeah, I uh, I have this penciled in as match of the night as well. I think Jay White's going to win. It's impact, so probably some fuckery. Excited to see who maybe comes out to help all Eric Young. Maybe we'll get ODB. Maybe ODB will make an appearance. Oh, shit. Ex-wife in TNA lore. <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh, that would be hilarious. Fucking Mr. Kennedy shows up and... <laughs> 
Uh, no, all joking aside, this will be a great match. Eric Young's fucking phenomenal wrestler. Jay White's phenomenal wrestler. I've never seen these two guys work each other. I'm excited as fuck for this match. And uh, this is like the first big Jay White pay-per-view match in a while. Yeah. Right? So I'm assuming that he's going to want 30 minutes. So <laughs> We'll see where this goes. Uh, but yeah, as long as they don't get too in their heads and try to over fucking book it, doing the Ring of Honor Impact Bullet Club bullshit should be a really great match. All right, the next match, I will say that if there's any room for a DQ to extend something, I could see it happening in this match. But uh, this has been uh, a long time in the making, at least recently, with just the amount of shit these guys have talked about each other. Uh, you know, it's, it, I guess the year previous, it was kind of like how FTR has gotten with the Briscoes, but a lot of shit said between the Grills of Destiny, Tama Tonga, Tongalo, especially on Twitter with the Good Brothers, Doc Gallows and Carly Anderson, tag team match. Who is the best tag team from Bullet Club? I think this is going to either be a DQ for whatever reason, or Gorilla's Destiny are going to beat them right off the bat. But this is for the Impact World Tag Team Championships, Chris. Who do you think is going to win? Uh, this is a clean finish with uh, the Good Brothers winning. Mm, all right. But mostly because Tamatanga just re-signed with New Japan, and they're going to want him back before the G1, which probably shortens the amount of... Especially if he's going to end up showing up at AEW with Jay White. Um, yeah. That that's my reasoning. I think it, you, you could easily do it the other way that what you were saying, but uh, once you're Bullet Club, you're Bullet Club for life. So technically, they're all Bullet, Bullet Club. Club. All right, Mickey James, Tosh Steels, singles match, Impact Knockout Champion on the line. Uh, I'm going Mickey James. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe she'll go back to NWA and Tasha will get this, but I'm going Mickey James. Going Mickey James, just because I think there's going to be a lot of fuckery throughout the night. Otherwise, if this if there wasn't so much other shit going on, I would definitely choose Tasha just because I feel like Chelsea Green is turning on Mickey James at some point. All right, we have the uh, Team Impact. Chris Sabin, Eddie Edwards, Rhino, Rich Swan, and Steve Macklin going against Honor No More, Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, PCO, Vincent, and Kenny King with Maria Canellis in their uh, place. They're doing a 10-man hardcore war. If Honor No More wins, they will remain in Impact Wrestling. If Team Impact wins, Honor No More will be gone for good. So Honor No More is definitely winning this, Chris. Yeah, they. I guess they have to, right? So, yeah, that's why I don't like stipulations on these kind of matches because the storyline's not. It's not like they're signed to Impact. They're just showing up and fucking around anyway. So, like, how are you gonna stop them? Their PCO's beating the shit out of your security guards. Scott Demore is over here sending one of his best wrestlers home from his own roster. So it's like, the fuck is this Impact ass Impact shit? Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess the big thing here is it's a hardcore match. Ten-man hardcore match. I'm assuming you will see more 
faces from Ring of Honor in this and maybe some faces from Impact of the Past in this show up. I would love for like Alex Shelley to make an appearance. I think that would be great. I would love for like a James Storm to show up. Hot Sauce Smoa Tracy Williams. Joe. Smoa Joe. <laughs> do you think they do that? And like on commentary, Tom Phillips is like, yeah, but whose side is he on? <laughs> oh my God. I hope so. Just might as well. But yeah, this uh, this match definitely lends itself to a lot of fuckery because they built it that way where I wouldn't be surprised if they're like, we don't actually have a finish. We're just going to go off the air, which I hope they don't do. But once again, no, you don't have to worry about that because we have the main event. Morrissey Moose Impact World Championship. Moose is going to be fucking W Morrissey. There's no way I, I don't want to see Morrissey. It, like I said, if anyone takes title off Moose. To me, it should be Josh Alexander. That's about it. Definitely don't want to see Morrissey. And I like Morrissey. I think he's done a hell of a lot better. But hope uh, he beats the shit out of Moose. Moose gets that comeback and still acts heelish as shit and just beats the living hell out of Morrissey. And that's about it. But someone coming out afterwards, that's a possibility. And if he's ready to come back, he's got a lot of issues with Moose anyways. I know Josh would be the person that might make sense and I could see him getting involved. But if he doesn't, I can see Sammy Callahan uh, coming back and going right the fuck after Moose after the match is over. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see, but that's my prediction. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the same page with you. I think Moose needs to retain the title here. Uh, nothing against Morsi. They're definitely going to play into the storyline that, Moose broke Morsey's neck or some shit, so expect a lot of that storytelling in the match. Yep. All right, well, let's go and move on to SmackDown. Um, so, it started off... Didn't we have, like, Naomi starting off the whole entire thing? Is 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 Or not Naomi, but uh, Sonya Deville... Oh, yeah, that's right. So Sonya was uh, petitioned by uh, WWE management um, about what happened with Ronda because she wanted to keep her out of the pay-per-view for attacking her. She had her arm in a sling. Adam Pierce came out uh, and basically said that it was rejected by Vince McMahon and all upper management. And Sonya, um, from Vince, uh, an email said, has to it has come to my attention that you have been taking matters into your own hands and abusing your power. <laughs> Funny that Vince is bitching about this. Uh, if there is one thing I can't stand, it's a WWE official who abuses their power. But uh, I was hired at one point. Uh, so now I will exercise some of mine. Your petition to find spend Ronda Rousey is declined. As for your inappropriate treatment to Naomi, you must face the consequences of your action. Uh, you are not to lay a hand on Naomi tonight in her match against Charlotte Flair. If you disobey, your job will be in serious jeopardy. And then out came Naomi, who put it right in her face and, uh, you know, at one point said, you know, you're not allowed to touch me, but that doesn't mean anything about me with you and slapped the shit out of her. So that's how we opened up everything. The last match, the main event, was Naomi versus Charlotte set up pretty well at the beginning. Uh, but my only problem is, 
what the fuck does Vince McMahon have anything like how can he say to someone like for you getting involved in situations blah 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 so that that was my only like little uh issue with that uh if you will but you know it's Vince so what the fuck are you gonna do it's actually Kurt Angle that's all they're gonna bring him in it's just the it's anonymous gm at gmail.com oh god it sent the email uh no i i don't know i mean this is fine it's set up to a great match later i don't understand like does ronda hate people is she a healer is she supposed to be a baby face uh i don't know and i honestly am just done with sonia deville and everyone should be done with naomi and sonia at this point and naomi showed that later in the night by having a great match with charlotte flair and the the amount of potential she has and how fucking good she is in the ring. It's ridiculous to waste her on a stupid storyline with the GM that wrestles like once every six months. I can agree with that. All right. So, uh, new day went against lost Lotharios. And even though I really do like Angel Garza and, uh, you know, um, uh, his, his, his cousin, uh, Humberto uh, Carrillo, Sorry. Um, what the fuck? I mean, is the writing on the wall, Chris? This is a good tag match. I do think that Los Lotharios is a throwback to Los Guerreros, and I like that whole entire pairing. And the Biggie and, and, and Kofi lost. Kofi got the fucking uh, pin. And, uh, you know, like I said, is more future proof with everything going on uh, with rumors in the back about people not being happy about. Big E and uh, or, or Big E being treated the way he is and dropped and uh, Vince kind of like losing uh, faith in him because, uh, yeah. Now they're just uh, if they lose a match, whatever, I guess. Oh, and yeah, the Usos I, attacked the Viking Raiders, by the way, in the back. Yeah, like, I, I don't know what they're doing with the New Day, really. Los Lotharios is just a tag team that's there. They've fucked up Angel Garza any way they possibly could. I thought he had, like, a good gimmick in NXT, and even when he was teaming with Andrade, they had an interesting feud they could have done there. Uh, they never got there, so they're just going to be that tag team. They're like, and I, I hate to draw this comparison, um, but, like, lucha house party or just like kind of like ftr when they were there they're just guys that are just going to give or the good brothers they're just guys that are going to get beat by the usos or new day sadly i think i have to agree with you all right well we had a interview with roman reigns and michael cole of course paul Heyman was there and uh you know Cole was just talking about what's going on with him and Brock Lesnar. That was kind of like, you know, poo-pooed very quickly. But we moved on to Goldberg. And at Survivor Series in, you know, uh, 86 seconds, uh, Cole says that Goldberg beat Brock Lesnar. And Roman laughed and said that, you know, Lesnar's old news. You're living in the past. Uh, Heyman says that Roman doesn't care about him. Roman says Goldberg is a two-time universal champ, uh, but no one cares because he is there now. He says 
He is the greatest universal champion of all time. Cole says this match was supposed to happen at WrestleMania a few years ago, and there is some added pressure maybe towards this. And Roman says all the pressure is on Goldberg. Two years ago, Goldberg might have changed, but everything is different now. The world has changed. He is a tribal chief. He is untouchable. He is the greatest of all time. He says he is going to smash Goldberg. He snaps his fingers as Heyman says, what we are about to hear is not a prediction, but a spoiler. Roman says he is going to Goldberg Goldberg. I love that ending line, Chris. <laughs> He's in a Goldberg Goldberg. Yeah, the only thing better than that was like, I'm going to break out a shovel and bury you fucking Hogan style <laughs> or some shit. Uh, yeah, it was a great line. Don't give a shit about this match. Hopefully they do the Lesnar-Goldberg seven-minute match they had at Mania like we talked about last week's show and you brought up earlier. Um, yeah, if this is the main event, if the, it depends on what they're going to do. So if this is the main event, do you have Goldberg return the favor on Roman Reigns? I don't know. So, so like, so like technically, like that's what we kind of got, like, because Reigns attacked Lesnar the last pay-per-view, right? Do you do this and just call it a fucking DQ finish so that you keep Goldberg strong in quotations? Or do you just have Reigns beat beat the ever-loving shit? I I hope Reigns hits a fucking jackhammer on this guy. That's what I want. Amazing. Or tombstones him. That'd be great. Dude, Rain should start doing the fucking tombstone. We've been saying this for years. As soon as he beat Taker. The other? As soon as he beat Taker, he should have started. He should have turned heel right then and there and started doing the tombstone. And then, like, Reigns would be, like, the most over superstar in the wrestling business right now. I think his two finishers should be either a tombstone or a fucking jackhammer. Especially if he, you know, beats Goldberg. Just fucking start using those two. You know, um, I don't know. I'm going to message him on Twitter right now and be like, dog, have you oh. seen Okada's 360 tombstone? You should probably do that to Goldberg. God, that'd be awesome. All right, so we'll, let's jumble some of this stuff up because, let's face it, it should be. Um, Leah and Natalia, they had another match. Natalia won. Sami Zayn, and I love Sami, still getting great heat. More bullshit involved with Jackass and then that resorting to Boogs and and Shinsuke Nakamura, and at the end of it, he got the better of Boogs and Nakamura and gave Nakamura a hell of a, hell of a kick. Sorry. Um, we had some stuff with Madcap Moss in the backstage. No one really gives a fuck about with uh, Mr. Happy Corbin. Happy Corbin wonderfully beats Cesaro. So that's that, that's awesome. Uh, and McIntyre threatened Madcap Moss with his sword. Um, once again, that's you know, attempted murder. Uh, by the way. And then we got Goldberg with Michael Cole. And, um, no, he wasn't happy about anything that, that, that was said by, um, uh, which Mr. Roman reigns, uh, but Cole tells him very few people have accomplished what he has done, but there are people saying that this could be one, uh, too many for Mr. Bill Goldberg. Goldberg. The problem over the years is that you have listened to some of those people, but he realized that he doesn't give a damn about 
what any of those people that doubt him think. As far as comebacks are concerned, this one is going to stick. It will be uh, everlasting. Cole says this match was supposed to take place two years ago at WrestleMania, but didn't. Goldberg says Roman may call himself the tribal chief, but for him, he is still the same Goldberg, and he will get what he deserves. Goldberg says it's been two years, 10 years, 15 years coming. Cole mentions that Roman will make Goldberg acknowledge him. Goldberg says he is ready to acknowledge him at the Elimination Chamber. He will make Roman acknowledge himself, and he will defend uh, the Universal Champion Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. And that was it. So, very average-ass episode of SmackDown so far. Um, I don't care about Goldberg, man. And, and him talking about, like, I don't care what people think about me. It's not true because he blocked me on Twitter for correcting your and you are. So, fuck Goldberg. There you go. And, uh, yeah, we'll find out what happens next week. Can't say that Chris uh, is wrong for feeling that way because bump, bump, who gives a shit? All right, anyways, the last match, and actually a really good match, Charlotte Flair, the SmackDown Women's Champion, went against Naomi. This was an excellent match. Naomi sometimes can get behind. I, I, She's so fucking athletic. She's all over the place. They were doing stuff, but like spots can... There was definitely a couple times where stuff didn't work, and you could tell Charlotte was like trying to call something, and it was like twice. Everything else was fucking flawless. I thought the match was great. I thought that um, it just proved that these two can work well together, and I know that Charlotte is a big proponent of Naomi, and I'm glad that they're giving her this level of uh, credibility. I mean, even though she lost, she got the rear view, and uh, Flair moved out of the way, and then she got the natural selection, just like that, one, two, three. And afterwards, Sonya Deville gets to the ring and uh, starts going after Naomi, and then Ronda Rousey came to the ring to help out. And the two uh, pairs of ladies... Just, uh, you know, we're looking at each other and squaring off, and it was announced that we're going to have that tag match at the Elimination Chamber next Saturday. So we'll go over all those matches before we do Rampage, but pretty good ending match, man. I thought these ladies, Charlotte and Naomi, always have really good chemistry together. Yeah, Naomi should be way further in her career than she is. That's just bad WWE booking. She's fucking great. Like this match a lot. I'm excited to see what that tag match is. They're going to give you Sonya Deville versus Ronda Rousey fucking two years too late. But uh should at least be fun. Excited to see what they do. Yeah, great pairing just in general, uh, whether we're talking about Sonya going against Ronda, and obviously Sonya going against Naomi because of their feud, but then also Charlotte and Naomi because they have great chemistry. So that should be a great tag match. Let's talk about some of these matches at Elimination Chamber next week, Chris. All right, let me pull this up. Sami Zayn wins the title. Spoiler. No, I'm just kidding. That's not happening. (laughs) 
All right. I don't know if this is the actual order, but we'll just go by what Wikipedia says, because as we learned earlier, that's exactly what you should do. Um, anyways, remember, NWA, Crack Cup, Grain of Salt. Hope it happens, though. So, like we were saying, Ronda Rousey, Naomi, Shaw Flair, and Sonya. I feel like Naomi's taking a pin. And I think it might be from Sonya, which I would not be happy with. But I don't know. I, th- I, I feel like these are the two matches that are going to be at WrestleMania. I think the heels are going to win because I think the baby faces actually might win at Mania, if that makes sense, Chris. Uh, similar, but I have Naomi, or yeah, I have Naomi taking the figure four for the loss. Okay. Because because the idea is to build up Charlotte, right? So, because good point. They're they're definitely doing Charlotte versus Ronda to some extent. They might throw Becky in there. I guess we'll we'll see. All right. So we have the women's elimination chamber. For uh, the winner is going against the Raw Women's Champion, who is Becky Lynch. At WrestleMania 38, Liv Morgan, Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair, Dewdrop, Nikki Ash, and a to-be-announced. I am calling it right now. I think the to-be-announced, because she was on the Raw roster, is going to be Asuka. But I think that Bianca is going to win this and bring the rematch that we've been wanting to see for a long time uh, from SummerSlam to WrestleMania this year against... Because I don't see... I, I love Rhea Ripley to win, but I'd rather Bianca over her. Liv Morgan, I know people love her. I just don't see it happening. Drew Drop's not winning. She just lost, and she's not going to beat her at WrestleMania. Who uh, Nikki Ash should go out first. Bring back your old-school character. It's a hell of a lot more effective even if Oscar or maybe if this is Bailey is involved, I still don't see them winning. I really think that this might be maybe if Bailey's in there, and maybe even with Oscar, maybe there's a chance for them against Becky. But I think the best person would be Bianca Belair. Chris, what do you think? Oh, I forgot. Liv Morgan. This match. No. Uh, either I'm going to go either Bailey or Oscar, whoever they throw in randomly. All right. Drew McIntyre versus Matt. Oh, sorry. What were you going to say? But I still don't think that title match is happening at WrestleMania. That's why I thought it was weird that they threw that stip there. But uh, I don't know. Could be wrong. (laughs) We got Drew McIntyre going against Madcap Moss with Happy Corbin in a false count anywhere. Drew McIntyre is going to win. Why the fuck is this happening? No one knows. I think we. I would rather see him and Sheamus beat the shit out of each other for the 90th time than him and Madcap Moss, but what the fuck ever. <laughs> Who do you think's going to win, Chris? I mean, the guy not named Madcap Moss. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. And I agree. Uh, Usos going against the Viking Raiders. Usos. There's no fucking way the Viking Raiders are going to win. I love... I've already... I've, I've put over the Viking Raiders a million goddamn times. I love War Machine. But this is what they have been reduced to because of booking. So Usos, definitely going to win. Yeah, I agree. Usos win easily here. 
All right, Becky, Becky Lynch and Lita should be a great match. Um, and Becky's going to win this. But whatever's going on, like say a Bailey were to win or an Oscar were to win for it to be announced, or if it is Bianca, unlike I think it's definitely going to be Charlotte and Ronda, I could see them doing a third person if something happens in this match and Lita being that third person at WrestleMania top the card. But uh, I think that Becky's going to beat Lita even by some scandalous style, if you will. I'm going to laugh if, like, the to be determined is fucking Becky and she wins Elimination Chamber and beats Lita in the same night or some dumb shit. Could happen. What if if Uh, it's uh, Brock Lesnar? He's with a wig on. (laughs) So it's it's actually Ultimo Dragon. You can't tell if he's male or female under that mask. Uh, Don't know. No. Um. Yeah, I got Becky retaining here. All right. All right, and then we have two last matches. Let's do Roman Reigns and Goldberg. Uh, Roman Reigns, I hope, very quickly. Um, Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, Reigns. We talked about this in depth earlier, so yeah, Roman Reigns. If this is the main event after the Elimination Chamber, I could see Brock Lesnar maybe not potentially getting involved, but fucking up Roman Reigns afterwards, just to solidify whatever. Yeah, definitely. Uh, It would be comeuppance, for sure. All right, Elimination Chamber. The one I'm looking forward to probably the most besides... uh, Actually, yeah, I think I think this is number one. Um, yeah, we have brought we have Bobby Lashley, the champion, going against Brock Lesnar, Seth freaking Rollins, Austin Theory, Riddle, and AJ Styles. I'm happy for Austin and Riddle to be able to get like involved in a match like this. They're not winning. Um, I'm gonna look forward to seeing Seth and AJ, two past champions, being able to interact with each other because they always do a great job when they do, and it's been. Only a couple times, uh, but it really comes down to Brock and Bobby, and I actually think that Bobby's going to win this match because I personally don't think they're unifying the titles anymore. For some reason, I'm just not as confident with that, and I think Bobby Lashley will have an opponent um, for the end of it uh, set up, but I think that I don't know if he's going to beat Brock Lesnar or how he will be eliminated, but I think that Bobby Lashley will be the champion still after this. This is a very bold prediction, but I think Lashley is the first in in the elimination chamber, and he gets taken out by everybody else. And then it ends up being Lesnar versus fucking Riddle, which is hilarious because Lesnar's like, I'll never work with you, kid. But I see them completely doing that. And Lesnar wins. Well, there you go. All right, let's quickly go again, or just go over the matches and the of last night for Rampage. Young Bucks, we were talking about this, versus Rocky Romero and Trent Beretta, a.k.a. Rapongi Vice. We've seen this match a bunch of times, but these guys killed it. Uh, they had an excellent match. Yes, there was that spot where Danhausen... Where Orange Cassidy actually went underneath the ring, was pulled out, and pulled out Danhausen, who put a curse on the Young Bucks. 
Um, but it still would not help out Romero and uh, Beretta because they inevitably ended up winning. And afterwards, we had an interruption with Jay White coming out and helping out everything. Um, I don't know, man. See, I don't know what Jay White's contract is either for New Japan. Maybe this is just a sharing type of concept, but is could we possibly be seeing Adam Cole, Jay White, and Red Dragon forming something outside of Bullet Club, outside of the Elite, just themselves? Because it's kind of making me think that that might be happening with this alignment specifically with Adam Cole and Jay White, two of the best heels in the business, too. I think that's very possible. I think in the immediate future, what you're seeing is Jay White versus Orange Cassidy. Yep. Um, where Jay White gets a win, and then he can lure that over Adam Cole and the rest of the guys, I guess, since they were all part of that lights-out match. Um, this match was great, man. Nothing yep. really to complain about. It was exactly what I expected these guys. My favorite spot was when the Young Bucks went for that more bang for your buck and Trent Beretta hops up and hit a fucking release German superplex off the top rope. That was fucking awesome. Um, I love, was it Matt Jackson doing the uh, Ultimate Warrior impression? This is just enough silly for me. <laughs> I didn't like that he actually went for the tag. He should have realized it and not tagged him, I guess. thought that was kind of dumb. But uh, with, um, I know you're dazed and stuff, but there is definitely a difference between, like, a Jackson brother and Trent Beretta. Um, but, yeah, just, I mean, all the stuff you'd want to see, like, the the – the double V trigger looks like shit. It looked like shit on Rampage. It looks terrible. It looked like shit here. It just looks. It doesn't work. <laughs> you can obviously tell that you guys are not. You're trying as hard as you can not to fucking knee them in the face. Like you're stopping each other with your legs. It does not look real at all. I'm sorry. Dude. But especially for a tag team that has so many great finishers, like they have the indie taker and the Meltzer driver and the more bang for your buck. Like, do they really need this? I know they're trying to build back to Kenny coming back, but like, do we really like it's, it's a shitty finish. It looks shitty. I like everything else. The young bucks did in this match, but that finisher looks shit. It looks shit on rampage as well. When they did it against uh, Rocky Romero in that segment. So I will say also that I had no problem with the match itself. I think the Young Bucks are great. I put them over a bunch. Christian Jericho made a fucking stupid comment to make like, dude, the Bucks are already over. You don't have to try to like really take it to a new stratosphere. And honestly, I've been praising him and Taz and 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 Ricky Starks and and uh, even Excalibur together actually being a pretty good. You know, and I, I was against Jericho for the longest time because he was always like this constantly. Um, but I'm I'm used to it. But like he said something on the lines of like talking about a super kick. And he said, I used to I used to uh, fight. This is this is me definitely changing the verbiage. So, I, you know, just bear with me. But I used to fight the king of the super kick. 
Um, and let me just tell you that I've taken a kick from him and I've taken a kick from the Young Bucks. And not only are they more efficient, but they hit harder than him. So I know who the fuck he's talking about. Shawn Michaels. And it's not just because he's my favorite wrestler of all time, but really, let's, let's, let's critique this. Let's sit down and fucking think about this, Jericho. The guy that finishes fucking matches with that same move to guys that fucking use it as a clothesline that, that can't finish it with that. And then if you go past kayfabe, if we watch it, when Sean was hitting his tights, it sounded like a fucking shotgun and you didn't even see it. Uh, when Sean was hitting the goddamn thing in the ring, it looked like he nailed him in the goddamn face. I love the Young Bucks. That's not always the case with them. So don't spew that stupid bullshit ever to try to put over the Young Bucks who are already over. All you do is make them look silly by saying shit like that. Sorry, I had to say it. There, I'm good. And I love the match. Did he say that at the beginning when they did the uh, – because I was watching this closed captioned. So did he say that at the beginning when they did that ramp spot, which I thought was like a really clever spot where just a lot of the Young Bucks were like, fuck this and left. And then uh, Rapongi ran after him, and they hit the double super kicks and tried to get the count out, which is like kind of a great heel thing. Did he say it then, or did he say it like they super kicked one person at the same time? Because he was saying if two people super kick you at the same time should be more effective than one Shawn Michaels super kick. I could get where he's coming from, so I don't know where the placement was in the match. They were all in the ring when it happened. I, I want to say they got like a double super kick on one person, but I, okay. he wasn't he wasn't referencing as in both their super kicks combined is better than one of Sean. Like they were basically he was saying like it's even keel and they have more efficiency and they're it's more powerful when they do it basically. And I was right. like, so, oh my god. I, I think it's I think more of what. I'm assuming because I didn't hear it in context, but I'm just going to go on a limb and he was saying, like, if you get kicked by the Young Bucks at the same time, it's better than Shawn Michaels. Not that, like, if Magic Jackson hits you with a super kick, it's the same as Shawn Michaels, for instance. But I didn't hear it in context, so I fucking no clue. But if that's what he meant, what you're alluding to, yeah, that's super stupid. (laughs) It's not the same fucking thing. Like, ask yeah. everyone Shawn Michaels has put down with that fucking super kick. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Shawn's always looks the best. He sets it up the best. He does a great job of building it. Um, kind of the original RKO out of nowhere with the way he was able to do it. That's why so many people do fucking super kicks now. Yeah, right, we. So. It, 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 it's kind of like it's kind of like we knew. Obviously, that uh, Chris Adams really came up with it and first did it, but Sean made it a thing. And yeah, it's like, yeah, we know that with the cravat, DDP came up with the cutter that way, but Randy Orton fucking took it and brought it to a new stratosphere. And sorry, I'm not giving you any fucking credit, Johnny Ace. I don't really care. You know, best on your cowboy, cowboy. I sent I sent you that weird that fucking one time he, Cowboy Bob Orton did it in like '86 on WWF. He hit a cutter, <laughs> so that's like before all of those guys. Uh, hey, that would make sense, man. Son, dad, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, I guess Randy 
Randy just doesn't care enough to argue with people online about who did the cutter first because I'm sure it happened in like fucking 1977 in New Japan somewhere. <laughs> like someone was going for a face buster and fucking slipped and they're like, oh, that looked kind of cool. Let's call it a cutter. Yeah, you know, and I'm sure some wrestler would claim they came up with it first. That's usually a thing. Maybe Buddy Landell's like, no, I came up with the cutter first. Uh, <laughs> Fucking Luthez is like, I w- I've been cutting people my entire life in Ghost's life. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's let's wrap this up. I'm gonna kind of combine these two ones together, uh, and then we'll talk about the last one. Uh, so we had Hook come out, and he was going against uh, QT Marshall's uh, top student Blakely, and I mean. He just destroyed him. I mean, it, Blakely had some good shots at the beginning and then was like throwing nothing. And Hook looked at him like he was pretty much dog shit and just beat the crap out of him. And QT Marshall was sad. Rip Baker went against uh, Robin Renegade, who is a new prospect. Um, and also uh, just I like what it's set up because she is, you know, Thunder Rosa's uh, protege that she's been teaching. And Rip Baker, I don't think. Personally, Britt Baker should not have had as much problem with this girl at all. She's a fucking champ. I could have gone with a lot less wrestling. But to set it up for afterwards, we are finally getting back to Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. So that I am excited about. And um, hey, Robin. uh, Yeah, Robin uh, Renegade looked good in this match. But uh, I thought this was fun. Uh, Britt Baker, Thunder Rosa. Hell yeah. Hook. Also, beating the person he went against and pissing off QT Marshall is always going to make me happy. So, there you go, Chris. So, uh, Hook, Suplex City bitch, uh, comes out to the action. Bronson, amazing. Loved it. Thought it was great. Uh, I love the Muay Thai kind of look. Like, he's like a, a bad guy in kickboxer or blood sport. <laughs> so, I like this match. It was fine. They're continuing to build Hook. Uh, the the Renegade, the Robin Renegade in Britt Baker match. Apparently, Robin Renegade has a sister that is also trained by Thunder Rosa. So I'm assuming they're going to do the three-way match to split Jamie Hayter off of that group. Because they've been building that for a while. And they alluded to, alluded to it here. Uh, so we'll, we will see on, on what they where they go but i'm assuming like if robin renegades there and her sister is like anywhere as good as she was with Rip baker here she'll probably end up in AEW. all right and the uh the the main event we had jurassic express versus the gun club yeah there was going to be involvement by billy gunn and and christian but actually this is a really good tag match between the two teams uh Austin specifically really impressed me with how much he's learned. You can tell that Billy kind of made sure that they stuck to the YouTube stuff until he thought they were ready. And just like I was really happy for uh, Arn Anderson seeing Brock Anderson in the ring, who had a great performance the week previous, I thought I was happy for Billy to see his two guys. I'm assuming, and I don't know this, Austin knows professional wrestling better, and Colton looks at least in the way that he projected himself within the match more with actually like, you know, college and, and, and high school wrestling. Uh, but 
Austin really, you know, he's always been kind of, he was the shorter one, but he had the personality, you know, he's really impressing me, showing me a lot of his father. And I did not think that Jungle Express was going to lose at all, and they didn't, but uh, I thought it was a pretty good showing of the gun club. So if, if, if their dad has been trying to polish them, I think he's done a good job of it, Chris. I thought they did a great job in this match, and the false finish almost had me thinking the 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 gun, the the ass boys would win. Where uh, where <laughs> where Billy Gunn threw Christian into the post, and they caused a ref distraction, and then you got the belt shot. Like I did fall for that false finish. I was like, oh shit, they might actually do this, and and obviously they didn't. Uh, but good match overall, man. It it's. It was crazy seeing when they threw the stat line for the gun club up there because it was like 84 and or 87 and four or something, which I guess would be 87 and five now because they lost. But like what a ridiculous win loss record. I don't know. Is this like a Goldberg record or have they had that many fucking matches on dark and elevation that I guess I just missed dark and elevation. They've barely been on the main product, besides being the uh, obnoxious guy in the audience during the the COVID era. <laughs> that was about it. My my favorite spot, honestly, was the initial exchange um, with Jungle Boy, where they did some chain wrestling, and uh, I think it was Austin Gunn. He gets kind of the better of him. He does the suck it, and then right after, uh, Jungle Boy gets it, gets the advantage, and he does the suck it, <laughs> which is really fucking. Yeah, funny. that was fun. Because it's kind of cool to see, like, Jungle Boy have any kind of edge to his character, because he is, like, man, he is, like, your 1980s white meat baby face, like, promo-wise, uh, in-ring-wise, like, so having, seeing a little bit of that, and they, and they, they've done it in the past before, but just seeing him kind of be, like, a, a little cocky, at least, about his ability was, was a good thing. I agree. I thought the match was good. Good tag team to see on the scene. Coming up in AEW, but uh, that's it, guys. That was the show. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. If you're new listeners, we do this show. Record it usually on Saturdays. Have it out by Sunday to Monday. And, uh, yeah, just definitely keep on listening to us. You can find us on any downloadable platform. Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, you know, SoundCloud, whatever you use. Just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Or you can search it on Google. Find your format that works best for you. Listen to us every week. And for all of our past listeners, thank you guys so much. You guys are amazing. Keep on listening to us. And message us if you want to talk. Chat with us. Tell your friends about us. It would really mean a lot to me and Chris. And uh, Chris, say goodbye to all the lovely people. Plug whatever you want to plug. Just do whatever you want to do. You can even sing a song. Sing. <laughs> Sing a song. song. Uh, I I did. I did promise I was going to yell about Jim Cornette. So I'm going to do it right now really quickly. He's fucking wrong. I listened to his podcast. He was talking about the Kevin Owens, uh, Austin theory match where they did the power bomb shot on the steps. And he said, theory uh, like Kevin Owens, wasn't trying to put him over and just have a good match. And I don't think that was the case at all. He just does. He has a problem with Kevin Owens. So fuck off, Jim. Uh, if you want to hit me on Twitter at Chris R. Patton, if you want to talk to me on Facebook, Christopher.R.Patton, 
more than happy to talk to you guys. Enjoy wrestling. Have fun. It's 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 supposed to be fun. If you don't like what you're watching, just don't fucking watch it. It's great. There's so much. There's so many options out there, Dan. So many damn options. So many options, and I'm glad that you guys chose the option of listening to us over other wrestling podcasts because we have the best one. So tell your friends about it. You can find me at DaneAlves42 on Twitter. Message me. Dane Alves on Facebook. Message me. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a wonderful day or night whenever you're listening to us. The Wrestling Geeks Alliance be with you. And as always, peace out.